So, how's it going, everybody? We've got Devin Vaughn in the studio today. Yeah. You know, episode 18, coming at you strong. Still giving them to you in time for Christmas. All that good stuff. Say what up, Devin. What's up? Nada. You know, it's just that crunch time before Christmas, as we know. Hitting that lull. We're hitting that, that lull where everyone's busy, but nobody's actually doing anything. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it makes sense, actually. Um, dude, I want people to be able to get a quick gist of, like, who you are, where you're coming from, and all that good stuff. Like, can you tell us a little bit about your recent past? Yeah. So, I... Well, first of all, I'm an engineer. I'm a drummer. I'm a producer. Um, Precisely. I started i mean my musical career started a long time ago i went to school of the arts in charleston oh, for no high way. school yeah for high school that's where i actually met my wife first day freshman year of high school what dude yeah. that's awesome actually yeah. so that's kind of where i got my start musically even though i was a theater major but i like would hang off of the band kids and stuff and like kind of like sparked my thing i started playing that's drums cool. when i was 13 and then that's um, a good age yeah, played drums, played in bands, did some like recording of your own bands and stuff when you're that age, like younger, and then got into college and kind of started taking it a little bit more seriously. Yeah. And then uh, I ended up moving away and I went to, I ended up in Nashville, Tennessee, where I became the head engineer of a studio there called The Smokestack under That's a producer cool. named Paul Moat. Um, huh. And I was there for 10 years. And then in 2019, uh, my wife and I and our daughter moved back to Charleston because that's where all of our family's from. Yeah, 2019. So 2019, end of 2019, we moved back, and then it was like, we moved back to be closer to family, and then immediately it was like, COVID happened. Yeah, that was that Don't time. Don't be close to your family. And then it was immediately like, oh my God, what am I doing? Did I mess up? Whatever. Um, and that's what brought me here, and that's when I got hooked up with Scott, and that's how 100 Watt Studios came off the ground was during all that time. A transition time with COVID and stuff like that. Dang. Okay. It was around then. Yeah. So yeah. Shout out Hundred Watt Studios. Yeah. We um they did a a promotional video for um yes. God's my band and that was fucking rad. Yeah. Like, it was the first time we met y'all. Yeah. The first time I met you. I'd met Deslin before. That's but. right. That's right. But that was super sick and I was surprised. Like I I didn't know that Hundred Watts was like in the cut right there and everything and that y'all. Y'all had it really nice in there. I mean, y'all still have it really nice yeah, in there. That was so. That was like, that was pretty much prime pandemic. Well, it wasn't prime. It was like really r right after like that first few months where everything was like for real shut down, and that's when we had like renovated the studio and stuff. Um, and we were like, we need to be able to do stuff with people to get our name out there, and that's when yeah. we did the promo, which was a benefit concert for World Central Kitchen and had bands like Gods and Magic Dust and a couple other local acts that. Um, came came to the studio and recorded, and, and we raised money by putting that thing out. People paid for it, and we, you know, we raised like a thousand dollars, but it was still it's like, good. yeah, like, it was cool, and it, and it helped promote like who we were and like what we were doing, and getting stuff out there. Gotta love a good benefit, oh, honestly. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm, I'm here for it. We recently did a show at Palmetto, and it was a benefit towards um, Soul Power Productions. It's like Slim Souls, like sort of benefit company that he like goes into schools and like creates like these music programs and, like you know donates instruments and things like that you know yeah. which is really cool and you know it's it's about raising awareness out here man like there's a lot of 
love and money to go around for everyone and you know i'm i'm with it dude like yeah what um how long were you at smokestack again for 10 years um that's crazy yeah i was there for 10 years uh well maybe a little bit less than 10 years but like almost 10 years so by that time how what was your credentials to get into that like slot did you work your way up so yeah so so the guy that i worked for so this is how this happened i moved to nashville to go to sae which is a school for audio engineering it's so it's you know it's a semi like it's pretty popular school i i wouldn't necessarily recommend it for everyone like i wouldn't recommend like audio engineering schools probably to most people Hmm. um I, i think that you could take the money that you're gonna put into going to school at these places and invest in yourself and in gear yourself and learn it if you really wanted to do that yeah. this is this was 2009 yeah for me on and the I was, early side and it was kind of on the early side of, like of the school thing and i went and i took it very seriously and i was a little bit older at the time because i'm 38 now yeah and i and i took it really seriously and i graduated at the top of my class damn and i immediately took that and got connected i was tracking drums for a friend at a studio across the street um, from the studio I worked at, which is actually now Peter Frampton studio. Um, and when I was there tracking drums, he was like, yeah, there's a guy moving in across the street in the studio. His name's Paul Moak. You should go like, see if he needs an intern or whatever. And I was like, okay. And I did. <laughs> and I went over there and I was like, Hey, uh, my friend said that you guys were moving in. You might need an intern or whatever. And I had a meeting with Paul and Paul's really cool. And we kind of hit it off. And I-, I started as an intern at that studio and basically ended up working my way up uh, incrementally by just showing up every day. Like Dude, I just showed yes. up every day. I did all the things that I, I used, all the knowledge that I learned. I was very observant. I like, I have a history of being in a band. Yeah. And I'm, a, I'm a band guy. So right. like that went a long way in the studio at that time for me. And also I worked for Apple for a short minute, like computers. And so I knew my way around the computers yeah to a point a little bit to where it helped the studio out because i knew how to just like you know sync up different computers in different rooms so we could back up up quicker and like how to maintenance and things like that which was stuff that paul didn't want to do that i was like i'll do it yeah i know how to do that stuff you know and so that knowing stuff about computers helped me and then eventually being a drummer i started playing on demos and stuff for him when he was right because he had a he had a publishing deal and so we do co-writes with people and i would I've played on like hundreds of songs What that they've written that have been tossed out to like, you know, Little Big Town and like all these big country bands and stuff like that. Yo. I've played on records. I've played on records for Mark Broussard, like Big Dude. Like I did all that. I did all that there. And that's because I had all these different tools in my bags. I had all the things that helped me get where I was. And eventually, after a couple of years of being there, I ended up becoming a salaried engineer. So I ended that's up badass. getting a, a weekly paycheck. And that position still exists. My intern huh. when I was there is now the head engineer there. Oh, so like it's passing the baton. It's passed the baton and gone there. His name's Zach. He's he's badass. He's a great engineer. And um, it was it's the kind of thing where Paul has kept the right people around. I think, and and they've leveled up to a, a certain extent. And he's kept that studio going, and he was really good at running it. And I've taken everything that he has done and learned how he's run his studio, a, a big million dollar studio. Sheesh. working with big acts for labels and I've translated that and tried to make that how I run 100 watt now, you know? So I learned all that stuff, got to that point, decided I needed to go ahead and break away from this, move back home to Charleston, which was a scary thing to do. Cause it's not, you know, leaving music city to pursue music still 
is kind of scary, but it's happening now. And I think it, I owe it all to what I've learned in Nashville with Paul and that studio and all the people I've met and got my chops doing that, you know? And so now I can run it, run a well-oiled machine. Yeah. Because of what I've learned from them. So dang dude, that's yeah. so cool, man. Like that's like, it's perfect to have you on for this episode. Like the whole studio life, like the engineering thing. It's like, I feel like the engineers are kind of like the unsung heroes behind you know the artists and everything yeah. like and and it's something that seems like not what it is from the outside in like once you get into it i'm like jesus christ like these yeah. people have to know all this random stuff about like all the different things like compressors like routings like microphone details all that stuff is is very important knowing the gear is great but also being able to run people like run a band and Sheesh. keep a session going and keep everybody on track and 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 figuring out how to get what what they want what bands want without sacrificing what you know as an engineer is maybe not necessarily the right thing to do um being able to like tr try some things and do different things so you can keep the bands like fingerprint on stuff because there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of new engineers I wouldn't say young engineers or engineers that might, might maybe kind of like think it's like their way or the highway kind of deal. Oh my God. You're yeah. going to lose bands or bands because they're who they are. And so if you're an engineer and you say, no, we can't, that's not how that goes. You might lose a lot of what's cool with that band by not letting yeah. them be themselves. So you kind of have to, sometimes you got to do it, do something because it's weird and different and maybe not be right or whatever. You got to be able to know that and, and have fun with it because i mean at the end of the day it's just music like you can't take it too seriously you can't be so into like the frequency response of this microphone is only good for this kind of thing it's like that's not that's not fun you know like it you gotta have fun, fun out of it yeah, yeah you gotta have fun the whole dude. point we got in music to begin with any of us is because it's fun and like once you start taking it way too seriously like you've i think you've lost the point no i agree you know? dude it's it nothing's worse than like sitting there and working on an idea and you're just like beating a dead horse and you're just like so just from like the even like the artist perspective yeah it's like i want to make one of the main adjectives for music that i am interested in being a part of these days is fun yeah you know yeah. um and good you know of course but but i'm i'm just really glad to hear that you really you took like a a straightforward route like went to school that's like super valuable i understand yeah. what you mean about you can do it yourself like yeah. these days but still um things were a little bit different like in 2009 as different. well and i would say if you have the mentality and you have the approach to it of i need to go do this so i can learn these in the intricacies all that stuff i mean because that's where if you're gonna go to school like that you're gonna have to learn you're gonna be tested on the microphone and the consoles and like stuff like that and signal flow and all that you're going to be tested on that so if you want to know that down to a science school is going to be good for you if you go and take it seriously yeah you know a lot of kids that went there were like i'm going to go there and i'm gonna make beats and i'm gonna do my thing and it's like that's not what this is Different. like you, yeah this is this is for you to get an understanding of how recording and sound works and flows and how microphones like what they were made for like it's a it's a way to, for you to do that you can learn all that stuff on your own but if you had the time and you wanted to get it done in like a year or two you could go spend that money and do that like but i still don't recommend it for everybody i'm like you could figure out another way if you wanted to it's not you don't have to do it but so then what do you think was some of the main takeaways from your internship like 
or even like yeah like the actual internship in and of itself that like really set you with like the the confidence and the tools to like move from nashville to charleston yeah you know the whole hundred watt studios thing like what was it like pivotal for you man i for so for my internship i basically got into that situation did everything that i could do whenever i could do it and luckily for me my wife she's she's a teacher she had a steady job so i i could afford to just spend 10 hours a day at the studio damn yeah dude you know like and i get i get some people are like you know single you know have to you have to work you have to do things so it's a lot harder to spend more time in that situation i understand that like my situation was kind of like a perfect situation yeah but there are other people that are doing it too like it is possible like there are people that put in the time and then working on stuff on your own like we would we would work on paul's stuff during the day and then at night he would let us use the studio what so like we would be able to like have a band come in that nobody knew about that we were friends with or whatever and be like let's record and like all right let's use all this fancy gear i mean we had an ssl 4056 channel like 4056 channel console all out i mean all i don't even know what that one is it's I the big ssl it's the big ssl consoles 56 channel console um they're they're super popular they're great for like they're the mixing console they're really transparent um it's like the brain of the studio you can run like everything through it and get all your patching and stuff for your computer and all your gear run run through this console and it sounds really good damn yeah um dude i want a little con- like oh, dude. somehow like it wouldn't even fit make- it would it, no it would take not, a but like, fucking a little <laughs> one would be awesome yeah. like you, you know but um but that's fucking sick dude yeah I'm- so I, I basically got there did the inter- did inter- internship learned all that stuff literally started engineering head engineering as the the engineer for all these sessions for years sheesh so then from there i was like working so much during the day with Paul and engineering sessions that he was working on. I was like, how old was I? This was three years. I was 35 or whatever. I was like, if I'm ever going to like make a name for myself, I have to break away from Paul. And so that, and that was another decision of like, our grandparents were getting older, things like that were happening. We had a kid. It was like, all right, I need to step away from this. And and 10 years. Yeah. yeah, That's a decent amount of time. Yeah, I did. It was a lot, a big part of my life. And it was a hard decision. I mean, we had a sit down talk about it one day, he and I, and he was like, are you sure you want to do this? And I was like, yes, I know. I just, I know I have to do this because I just can't, I can't stay. I gotta, I gotta figure out some way to do something on my own. Yeah. It's kind of like moving out of the parents' house and being like, I'm really good. It was, it was like moving out of your parents' house. Like it was like, (laughs) okay, now, now's the time for me to do it. You know, like, and so we did it. And, um, you know, thankfully I got with Scott who owns, the studio 100 watt he Ooh. owns the building okay and, and most of the gear in there damn um and he it was called hybrid audio solutions before and oh then, yeah no way that was haas okay yeah, yeah yeah that was haas so when i came around i basically rocked the nest a little bit i think because i got there we were playing we started grim yeah the band and then COVID happened and then basically like i started recording all the stuff that we were doing for grim out of there and started making this new like we could do this better and we could do this better probably and this would be a better way to run this you know hmm. started doing that kind of thing and then so scott and i basically slowly kind of just joined forces and we're like this is this is how it's going to run and as of now 
Scott and I are running this studio and it's actually doing really well and taking off. So we've, we've trimmed some of the fat on it. So people have left like, uh, Alan Price was a guy that was there with Scott for a long time. And he does a lot of like playing out. He does a lot of shows and things like that where he makes his living and he's awesome, but he just wasn't, it just Scott and I were there all the time. Yeah. And we've, we, it, when you have too many cooks in the kitchen, it's hard to get a really focused idea of what's going on. I see. And over time, I think it's worked out itself out to where, how it is now. And, and, uh, Scott and I really have a good thing going. And thankfully it was there because, uh, I don't know where, I, who knows what I would be doing right now if it wasn't for Scott having that place. You know, I came back and had a, I had the skills and, and the credentials and Scott had the building and the, and the toys. Like, and so the, the teamwork, you know, made the dream work. Exactly. I would say. Dude, that's what's up, man. Cause there's only like a few, I don't know, like as far as like studios in town, I don't want to tangent off on other studios, but yeah. Let's let's bring it into some of like your band workings and stuff yeah. like with Grim, mm-hmm. you know, um, like, can you describe a little bit about how all that got started? And yeah. that was like the, the last band that I knew you from. Yeah, um, obviously, you know, you switched so it. So Gr- Grim was Grim was like a project that came about when I moved back to Charleston and it was it became kind of like a um, a covid project. It was it was a thing that everybody had time to do at the time, and then once things started picking back up, it was the same situation to where it was like uh, we're having a hard time like rehearsing because people are going back to work and things like that. And Scott and I were like, well, we're the ones here at the studio, so let's let's write songs. And so that's when we started Acid Hawk. So Grim kind of fizzled out because it was just hard. It was just a harder project to do once COVID ended. You know, Acid Hawk started, which is just bass and drums, and just me and Scott. We both sing. Oh, just, seriously, just bass and drums. Just bass and drums. It's like Death from Above. Yeah, 1979, dude. Yeah. I was literally about to say. Uh, it's and then, like that. It, yeah, it's like that kind of thing. And we do everything ourselves. And it's so much easier having a two-person band. <laughs> yeah. Because we get so much more done. Um, but yeah, that and then like just working with bands in general in Charleston has been great and um that's that's my forte is i love the band dynamic you know i do some hip-hop i've been doing some hip-hop stuff for people like mixing yeah 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 it's fine but like when you get like a two track and then you're just basically mixing vocals on top of stuff i'm like uh it's 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 fun but it's like it's not as creative you know because most of the work's been done on that front end of that track you know yeah like the beat production bands i'm like i get to make the kick sound yes snare sound i get to make the guitar sounds you know so Dude, and like there's a lot of pleasure in that. Like I've come to find out, like where it's just like before it kind of just seemed like, oh, uh, like, man, I, I need to like EQ this, like blah blah blah. But no, like getting it, like the the art is the details of it, and like yeah. it's it's a very satisfying experience. Like once you really start to like hear it fit together, have you done live engineering? Like where it's like out at a venue and shit? Uh, I have, and I don't love doing live engineering. It's not my, I, it's not my thing. I don't yeah. have a taste for it. I don't like it as much because it's, it's as far as engineers go live front, like front of house engineers yeah. get the worst of the like crap. Cause they're like, dude, people don't give a shit, dude. Like they're, they're like, this sounds like shit. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, you know, just whatever. Like, like, oh. And it's like one, you get one hour to like, please 500 people. It's a, it's a thing, man. Jesus. And, and, and it's one of those things where I'm like, I've done it 
And uh, the people that do it and they're good at it, it's amazing. It's a totally different skill set as being uh, as opposed to being a recording engineer, like in studio, which is crazy, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and I do it for so I do all the garden and gun sessions too, the backport sessions. I do all the audio for that. What? So and so I have to run like basically a live show and record it at the same time. So, but it's all remote and stripped down, so it's a little bit easier. Like if you go to the garden and gun backport sessions and you look up the recent ones that we just did for the revival. Riverfront Revival Festival, which was um, Darius Rucker's festival that was yeah, just here. Um, get out. Okay. We did it in a church and like, so I run just like an X32 rack and then we have monitors yeah. and stuff and I record all that. But then I also run live sound at the same time for the artists. So you have to kind of run, like it's a couple of things and it's very frustrating, but there's not a real, a real crowd involved. So it's not like a front of house oriented thing. It's a recording oriented thing yeah, that I is live. So it's pretty cool, but if yeah, you can check those out at the backport sessions if you just Google that stuff. But that's yeah, I, so we we handle all that. Um, y'all Google it. This yeah. is the chance to plug all the things. Yeah, I mean Grimm's music. Y'all type in Grimm G R I M, the dark period. Yeah, the yeah. dark is the album that we had. Yeah, Grimm with a period. Acid Hawk has. If you just type in Acid Hawk, we're actually the only Acid Hawk. I'm what? Pretty sure, which is amazing. Uh, um, yeah, I'm, it's like a I'm good name, sure. actually, too. I yeah, like it. It's I'm got like sure. four letters that was in each. A, that was, a, um, we went on a cabin trip with a bunch of friends in 2020, and we, we tripped acid and <laughs> literally like had this hawk that was flying around this cabin, and it would fly around every once in a while, and everyone would be like, oh, acid up, acid up. And so then a couple months later, it was so like, I, I'm, we're naming a band Acid Hawk. Like, we're doing it. <laughs> yeah i felt like instantly love the name like mm -hmm. that's one of those things like where it's like if the band name sucks like there's only so <laughs> yeah i don't know if fallout boy works then no i'm just kidding that's a that's the thing though about band names it's just such a pain in the ass to come up with a band name and it doesn't really matter if your music's it can good be arbitrary after dude, all there's people i mean like you know like soccer mommy and like what that's a band yeah like all uh. like mom jeans and like all that. there's so many bad <laughs> band names but like if their music did it nobody gives a shit at the end of the day like yeah. green day isn't really a great band name but like look at them yeah like, exactly Boy, they're huge like yeah foo fighters like panic at the disc yeah like if you would have come up with that band name if we were in a band we'd be like no dude <laughs> it's like that's kind of stupid yeah, actually a terrible name yeah why not acid hawk yeah exactly <laughs> so yeah, but I it's it. yeah. Acid Hawks like the my like me, me and Scott's baby right now. Like we have some things coming up in the world. Actually, we're playing a show with y'all in February. That's right. Oh yes. my god, dude! Getting Chris to agree to that was like, <laughs> I'm like, dude. dude. Oh, with peace and love, Chris. Don't <laughs> don't come I for mean, me, I dog. I was shocked. Don't I come was for shocked me. that we because we had asked we had Tony ask y'all. Right, right, right. And then he said no. Uh, and which just like, killed oh, me. Damn. And I talked to Deslin. And then Desmond was like, actually, gods can do it. And I was like, oh, shit. Sweet. It only makes sense, dude. Yeah. Like, that, we've been waiting for a, a lineup like that. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Let's plug it really quick. Lo-Fi. February 4th at Lo-Fi. Yeah, Lo-Fi It'll brewery. be Acid Hawk, Gods, and Versus, versus Angels. Angels. Um, I don't know if we're going to get a fourth or not. We'll see. But I think we're headlining. I think Acid Hawk's headlining. So. That's what's up. Good. Yeah. I mean... Dude, one of the times that we played at Royal American, I opened up with a DJ set, and that was pretty fun. Oh, that would uh, be cool. Yeah, dude. Like, just just easy, easy peasy, just, like, butter up the work. crowd. I was going to say, that, that's a lot of, like, work for you. Not really. Really? Yeah, like, I, I can, I set up in, like, no time and shit, and it's just not, like, it's just, 
second nature at this point. So Dude, we should just have you open up for this set then. That'd be cool. Let's let's talk to everybody about yeah, it. I'm sure they'd, they'd be yeah. down. Makes sense. But yeah, like, dude, this lineup is also makes sense. Um, you know, it's funny because, um, you know, I used to be in Friends for Hire, which is now Versus yeah. Angels. Yeah. And Versus Angels. I didn't know you were in Friends for Hire. Oh, my God. Yeah. It was like this whole thing because, like, I was in the band with Deslin at last glance. And yeah. then, like, a few of us got plucked from that band in when a way. When was this? That was probably like 2009 ish. Okay, yeah. That's right, right when I was gone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right in that era. And, and, um, you know, they, they've done a lot for themselves, it seems. And, um, I'm proud of them and that they're still doing it and everything. You know, Rodney? Rodney, the I, drummer. Yeah. So I, I don't know him that well, but back in the day, so like the early f Friends for Hire stuff, like 2006, 2007. Yeah. Uh, I think we had played a show with them at one point and I, and Rodney's younger. Yeah, he, he was, was the SOA lot, too. Yeah, he's a lot younger than me, but I remember yeah. being like, that dude's kid's pretty good. Yeah. Like at back then. Yeah, um, he was. Man, I wish he was like full time with it, but. But. um, So it's kind of like a Megazord lineup in my eyes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that's what's funny. It's like there's people in my life, kind of like what you're saying, that have stuck it out long enough to where like the cream rises to the top everything kind of comes back around you know like people True. if you stick with it you'll you'll find your place and you'll 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 get to a point where like oh you're working with the same oh you're that you're that oh yeah you're him you know yeah you know, come back around where everybody's working with each other again um and for some people like tony who like does video work now and it's like amazing at tony seriously is why it does Ooh. the backport sessions at garden of gun like, oh he's how i got that gig small world so tony, man. tony contacted tony us to do the audio for them like last Heck year yeah. or whatever for for uh what is it? high water festival and then it just kind of we've made a good team and and uh the garden gun people love us so we've been sticking it out and doing it and it's been i think we've been doing great work so yeah so you have you met darius and shit yeah how is he yeah he's cool i met darius so darius actually came to 100 watt um oh, we wow. did um darius trucker has a tv show on the diy network um wait is it the house show yes and so he came to the studio and did a thing with Susto. Yeah, where yeah. Where we, like, had him come in and, you know, it was total, like, TV movie magic kind of thing where it's like, yeah, we're in here rehearsing for our tour, and Darius is going to stop by because I think he had something to do with, like, the songwriting or something like that with one of the songs that Susto was doing, and he came by and stopped by and talked to the band, but it was going to be, like, a clip of, like, Charleston and Charleston bands, and, like, okay. they blended it all in that way. So we met him then, and then when we did the Riverfront Revival, we talked to him again when we were there. So um, he's did cool. Did y'all end up on the show? We weren't on the show. Uh, I mean, 100 Watt was on the show. Oh, okay. Like, well, then we, they got like credit and stuff like that. Well, but fuck yeah. Yeah, it was just Susto and Darius and like his, Still, his renovation show. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. And he was a nice dude. And he's got like this security guy that like came in about 15 minutes before a he showed security up. Security guy? Of so course. this dude just comes in, and he's just like Jack Diesel. <laughs> and he's just like, hey, what's up? Uh, you know, I can't remember his name. He's like, what's up? He's like, I just need to check out the uh, building. I'm like, okay, go for it. And he just like walked around the building, make check where all the entrances and exits were and all this stuff and like looked who's who was there. And then he would, then he was like, all right, cool. And then about 15 minutes later, Darius showed up. Wow. And he came dude. in and the dude would just like check the door. Yeah, dude. It's like he, straight Darius up. Darius rolls with like a, like a dude. Like, yeah. I, I don't think Darius can go anywhere without a guy. A guy, like, just to make sure. 
something didn't go down. No, you know, for real. I don't think there's there's some white country dudes that don't think oh. Darius should be doing country music. Man, that's like, fucked up. Yeah, I think that's like a, a thing for him. Man, I'm sorry. I hate to hear that, but mm-hmm. like at the same time, I'm glad that he can like have security yeah you know it gets to that point for some people i think he lives a pretty good normal life like i think he's so used to it now he's been doing it so long i think he's got it pretty down to a science yeah um so you know i wouldn't feel too bad for him i think he's doing okay (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it is crazy that like he has to think about stuff like that and just insane Man, shit! Can you pass a beer really quick? Yeah, yeah. I don't want to reach around. But, this podcast um, is brought to you by Coors Light. Yes, sponsor Taste the us. Taste the Rockies. You know it's cold when the Rockies are when blue. The Rockies are blue. Yeah, actually fucks with Coors Light. It's like one of the light beers that actually doesn't taste like terrible. I love light beer. Yo, I recently had Bud Light for the first time and Michelob Ultra. What? And no, because it was by default. I didn't buy it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we were doing this event that we were able to uh, sip beverages at, and they only had Bud Light and Michelob Ultra. And I was like, all right, like, I'll take a Mick Ultra, I guess. And then I was sipping, and I was like, oh, this does not taste like how I remember it. I'll try a Bud Light next time. Got the Bud Light, and I was like, oh, this is definitely not how I remember it tasting. (laughs) (laughs) I've been drinking Budweiser too much. Dude, I, it's like, you know, my, my, my dad grew up in St. Louis, which is Anheuser-Busch yep. country. It is. And, and uh, you know, that whole generation grew up with, like, Budweiser mm-hmm. and Miller Lite. Yep. And, like, old Milwaukee. Like, all oh, those yeah. beers. That's it. <laughs> like, craft beer didn't exist. No, now It it's... wasn't, like, a thing until the past, like, 25, 30 years. Like, you know, so growing up, even I remember in college and stuff, craft beer wasn't really, like, a big deal. So, like, we, I grew up drinking light beers and stuff so i love light beers like i'll drink whatever light beer and i'll drink craft beer too but for me i'm just like craft beer just gives me a headache yeah it fills me up like if i'm hanging with True. people and i want to hang and drink it's like i gotta drink light beer yeah dead ass i can't be drinking like ipas all night like they, that doesn't work for me i agree so so what's on your your whole like plate for the future like what have you been thinking about like man so acid hawk my band we're, we're really hoping we're gonna drop some more songs here soon how many do you have up right now we got three out right now go check it out we've been we've been dropping we've been trying to drop about a song a month but we've waited right now because the holidays to drop a song okay um we got two coming out soon writing a couple more songs we're we're doing that show in february and then on the third we're playing in wilmington with versus angels as well so oh, we're doing word. Like a little mini two date thing okay so the third third in and, and fourth yeah third okay. in Wilmington, fourth in charleston we're in wilmington in case <sighs> there's anybody brewery. in north carolina some brewery some brewery i, I mean there's a bajillion out I, know, there. dude, <laughs> I, I have no idea i i forget the the name of the brewery but it's some brewery in wilmington that's having like a rock show yeah um, y'all look it up if you're in north carolina that and then just as far as like that band we're just hoping to push some more stuff out and like play some more shows and um eventually put just put out like a full length i think because right now we've been doing individual songs and i think eventually we want it to just be a a full flushed album and then we'll probably print some vinyl after that oh hell yeah we just started doing this thing where we're like people put out like a whole record and it kind of gets forgotten about but if we just keep putting out a song every every month or two for real it kind of kind of keeps you more relevant in that aspect um so we've been trying that approach which is a new thing for me because i'm so used to like 
we've got our songs. Put out the record. Yeah. All right. And then you're done. And then you got to write a whole other album. And it's like, yeah. we can just write a song. And release singles. Mix it, master it, basically. and then release it in, in four weeks, you know? Like, Dude, that's a huge benefit um, to, like, y'all being the main spearheads right. at the studio. Right. And then y'all just literally have it all at y'all's fingertips. Right, and that is that is the other thing. I, we, we can do that. We, we have the... The ability to do that uh and then studio wise like we've got a bunch of backport session coming up um in january and just trying to make more records with people we've been doing like these random things like drums for bands and um do a lot of drum stuff for bands just because I, th- I think people can't do drum stuff in their house you know yeah a lot of people engineer themselves very to hard to and, nail down drums like yeah and we focus a lot on like live tracking so like right. whenever i do band stuff like we'll, we'll we'll try to get everybody playing together at the same time and Good. even if we just keep the drums at right. least we have like the the way that everybody played together that like feeling is captured as opposed to playing to a track you know or just yeah. the or whatever it is bottle the lightning um, yeah you gotta you gotta bottle that lightning like playing as a band is what the band is like true you know when you go play live there's a vibe that everybody gets and that uh having the big space that we have and being able to have everybody playing through their amps and stuff like that is is a benefit to what we do so we do that working on more of that get get some more bands in there hopefully have a couple more bands that we've worked with coming back this year um yeah man just making records i want to make records and i want to make records make singles however we got to do it because the music industry changes i feel like so frequently it's like who knows the right way to do anything anymore it's like i don't even know man no matter what way you're doing it somebody's gonna be like oh well, you should do it like this yeah, way no, dude, you got it come to the studio man we'll, we'll just make a tiktok and yeah. then, like, you'll blow up dude. <laughs> like that's what it feels like right now oh my god i am a little bit this of a is- i am a little bit of like a an old head in the fact where I'm like, I can't get on board with like the way labels and stuff are picking at people off TikTok and things. Oh, really? That's a thing. Yes. If you don't um, have like a lot of labels would be like, if you don't have a TikTok presence, they don't even want to give you the time of day. Jesus. And I'm like, fuck that. Like I would much rather, and this is how my whole career has been. I would much rather make less money and do things on my own and have it be done the way that I, I like to do it as far as making music and, that career path, then like jump on like a trend like that and have to be like, I, I got to go make TikToks now as like a 38 year old dude, in yeah. a band, like to be relevant. I'm like, that's just, that's just desperate. It just not, it feels desperate. You know, no, like, seriously, I, I can relate to that so much, dude. Like I'm, I'm not like, even though I'm not that, I'm not that much younger than you. You're 38. I'm yeah. 33. And I still have problems with like, just, trying to fit into like this social media thing like this kind of helps you know what i mean like yeah. and it's still like a stretch for me i'm like it feels like kind of whack yeah, like but, but, but going like at least something like this is like people are getting information out of it like i like tiktok i yeah. think you can learn things from tiktok i think tiktok has there are benefits of tiktok and there are the downsides of tiktok um and social media in general you can learn something from this like this is this is this is almost like uh, an educational thing you know this isn't this is just a using technology to the best of its abilities now to where like you and i would be having a conversation like this 10 years ago and nobody would have known anything that we're saying and maybe one person hears this today and it's like you know what yeah maybe i need to do whatever maybe i need to stick it up maybe i need to go play the guitar again maybe i need to go record or make a song or you know do whatever 
take that internship, anything that it is. Yeah. And it's only because you have the technology that we're using right now, you know? Exactly. And, man, I don't know if you ever heard, but, like, there's this quote, I forget who it's by or whatever, but, like, your net work is your net worth. Yeah. And I just realized that I have a lot of very, like, amazing conversations with people in general to the point where I'm like, damn, why didn't I bottle that up and send it off? And because there is a lot to learn, and that's, like, what I, I, like, dude, everybody should have the privilege of learning like from our conversations and stuff like dude just like being able to cover that aspect of like how you went like through through like the coming of age to your career yeah you know that's super important like people don't quite always have like a compass on how that should be navigated right and and i admire that within you like you you did you've done something that that a lot of people just haven't and then making it work in Charleston, like especially post COVID yeah, is actually, listen, if you really aren't of substance, like you won't last. Yeah. It's just it's, like that. And your that whole quote, your net, your, your network is your net worth is like pretty much the nail on the head. Like that is, so I, I got hired to go speak to, uh, the like music department, performance department at Clemson. Oh, wow. Uh, in, uh, September. October. Damn yeah. Um, I'm one of my friends is one of the music directors there, Eric Lappin, and oh, wait, it sounded like you said Eric Clapton. No, Eric Lappin. <laughs> Eric Lappin. He's the Eric Clapton of the clarinet. What? <laughs> um, he plays clarinet. He, he, he's awesome. He's he's a great dude, and he 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 like does a lot in that music department. And he had me come up there and and talk to the students, basically about that same thing. Really about like, you know, they don't know what it's like to have real world world experience mm-hmm. in the music industry or whatever. Even some of them are like theater majors or vocal majors or whatever they are. Right. And it's like your network is, is the baseline right there. Hmm. If you're not sociable and like fun and want to hang out and easy to work with and like, then your network is going to be so small and you're going to have the hardest time ever. Um, if you that's are, a, that's, that's like the, that's more important than your ability on any instrument or any gear is like, are you cool and like fun to be around and here to have a good time and have fun and, but get stuff, get stuff done. Seriously. That's important. And then if you get knowledgeable about things and you have that on top of that, then that's how you really take off. Because if you don't, if you come in and you, you, it's your idea, it's your way or the highway and you're kind of a downer and, black cloud it's like no one's gonna want to work with you dude like we're here to like especially people that are doing this like off their day jobs and, and stuff yeah where they can't wait they don't want to spend time with some person that is just here being a bad time yeah you know like that no i'm not doing that oh, like, yeah. you know so i was actually having that conversation recently with somebody that's a little bit more introverted but in the scene and them trying to be like oh like you're out here you like i just could not do it the way that you do it and i get it there's like a there's so many lanes still within the industry but for people like us we have to like i i can relate with that person on being like an introvert but to an extent uh, you have to be an extrovert like yeah just you just have to. yeah and i and you know and i don't think you know it's a spectrum introvert extrovert I think there is a spectrum of that to where people are a certain way. And if you get in a situation with somebody who is more introverted, and I've worked with people in the studio that are introverted, you have to know how to deal with that kind of person as well. Okay, this isn't going to be like the 
let's joke around and I'm going to poke <laughs> fun at you and like do all those things. Yeah. You kind of have to coerce them to come out of their shell a little bit True. to get stuff done, but also know that they're still just another human. Like they're still just want to be talked to like a normal person. Like it's this, it's, it's being able to deal with people in that way is, is, is probably my most beneficial, like attribute that I have. I, I'm, I'm pretty good and I'm not like tooting my own horn, but I'm put, I'm good at, with people. I'm good yeah. at talking to people. I'm good so at making are. new friends. I'm good at like, just having somebody come in and feeling comfortable is a huge, huge deal, which is why I think I've been so successful at running a studio. Like, I think it's very good for when you can get people in a room, you can see somebody doing something and feel if they're nervous or excited or confused and be able to take that and go, I'm going to say this thing without them having to tell me this thing, you know, like I'm going to tell you, why don't we go ahead and get you a music stand or what do you want to turn the lights down or whatever? Oh yeah. yeah. Stuff like that to where they're like, yes. And like, cause they might not want to say something cause they don't want to be like the diva or whatever it is. Right. It's like you got to be able to get there before they get there. You know, um, <coughs> that's so true. That's, that's like, that's, that's the thing right there. That, that little line is, is a big line in the repertoire of what you need to know. It is a very unspoken thing I feel like yes. as well that yeah. you just it's a hard thing learn. too it's a hard thing to like you kind of have to have that thing um, if you're going to be a producer or engineer and there are producers and engineers that don't have that that are really good at what they do but you'll see bands that go work with them and be like we made the best record of our life but fuck that guy like, he's an asshole <laughs> like you know there are there are producers out there I will not name names that people right. probably will never work with again, even though they have like their biggest record ever with them. Yeah. It's very interesting, man. Like the personality is, is just imperative. Like practically speaking. Yeah. Of course, with the knowledge, but, um, uh, what was I going to say, dude, who have you been listening to a lot lately and, or like who was super influential on, Y your even your style musically yeah. speaking growing up like let's start there yeah growing up i this is really funny because i just saw so i moved to charleston when i was in the fifth grade and my teacher mrs baker had a son named camera baker and she had two sons the other son named travis was older he was 21 at the time when i was in fifth grade Damn. and he died Oh my God. He had like a heart, something on a boat or whatever. Jesus. So me, Cameron and I were friends and we would hang out all the time. Long story short, Cameron inherited this 21 year old kids, everything, guitars, music. So we're in the fifth grade and I'm looking at, I'm in this dude's room. It's like Stone Temple Pilots and Sublime and Whoa. You, yeah yeah like it's like kind all, of bittersweet all That's music that like we wouldn't have had access to in the fifth grade yeah i know and That's... so like i remember at that point like really listening to stuff and cameron was always really smart and he could actually play the guitar um when we were in like middle school and stuff and he would write songs and i just i actually ran into him again like a month ago and i hadn't seen him since eighth grade that's insane yeah. uh at like a kid's birthday party thing it was insane anyway <laughs> uh so my First introduction to music was that. And that's when I was like, I think I want to play the drums. So like what? my dad bought me a drum kit when I was in the eighth grade and Badass. I got really into like punk rock and ska. Yeah, and ska. Like, yeah. yeah, I remember ska. I was into like, <laughs> and that was kind of a school of the arts thing where like the band kids, the guys that played horns and stuff like that, they were really into like the heavier, like the ska punk thing, but also into the horn thing because that's what they did. Yeah. And so we got into that, and like, um, I remember being a big Catch Twenty Two fan. There's a band called oh, Catch Twenty Two. Oh, I remember 22. them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then from there, 
I had an uh, a older friend who he was a year older than us, and first and he just would find he was just like every, I think some people just have this person in their life that's a little bit older that would just, just give them music. And it, yeah, like, that's how I found out about Zayo. Do you remember Zayo the hardcore? There's a hardcore band called Zayo, and I remember hearing that for the first time in like ninth grade or whatever. And it's like screaming hardcore music, and it was Christian. I didn't really know that at the time, what? but it was like life changing. It was so... like this is so heavy and it made you feel like so amped and stuff like that because at the time we were listening to like you know epitaph um epitaph records. records and like stuff like that that was like this kind of heavier punk thing and then we discovered the zeo thing and also it was like it opened up a whole new world of like oh there's like this underground heavy screaming world of stuff so i grew up on like the hardcore eventually like the screamo thing that happened in like the early mid 2000s um, and then I was in a band called Goodnight Moon. It was like a screamo band. Oh yeah, yeah. Dude, Goodnight Moon. Yeah. Oh, I'll never forget seeing y'all at the music farm, dude. Yes, yes, with Aslan. Yes. Oh my god, that was yep. dude. I can never forget that man because I liked y'all's band a lot. Yeah, dude. People liked us, and and uh, that band fizzled out due to just typical band stuff. It's hard to keep a you band know, together like, for a while. We it you really know is. we we did some things. We toured a little bit and. Um, and then we, then we started basically hanging out, doing drugs <laughs> and then got like really avant-garde <laughs> and like, we started another band called Thomas Elite that was basically oh, like yeah. all the weird stuff of what Mars Volta would be and like Circuit Survive. Yeah. So like all of our songs didn't have a verse or a chorus. It was just like <laughs> one part, another part, another part into another part. And it was like, we would write 15 parts for one song and then we had like five songs cause we didn't have any other parts to write. <laughs> and then like so covered all the parts. that's when I was like. I need to go take this seriously, and that's when I decided to move away. And then I got into like, that's when you went to Nashville. That's basically when I went to Nashville. Yeah. Dang. So where did y'all record back then? Uh, we did a, the Jam Room in Columbia. I haven't heard of that. It was okay. a studio. I don't even know if it's still. For, I think it is still a studio. That'd be cool. So still, like both Goodnight Moon and Thomas Elite. Thomas Elite. We did um, our stuff with a friend of ours who was in a band called Trophy Scars. Uh, John and Brian, and they had a studio in Atlanta. Oh wow! Um, and out of their house, and we would go down there. I'm like, Dude, cool. I remember we drove down there. I took Adderall because <laughs> I was driving, and I remember the yeah. first day, the first session, I was like so jacked and weird. <laughs> I like felt like I had the hardest time playing because I was like just jittery and like Adderalled out because I was yeah, trying to stay dude. awake. Oh, oh it was the worst. Yeah, That's um, funny as shit. it was a good session. We've all been there. I didn't say that. <laughs> You know, younger days, man. I, um, it's like too much coffee. <laughs> yeah, and then I would like I was starting to do like a lot of our trying to do our demos and stuff back then at that time too. Like that's what kind of got me into recording, like being the drummer and being like, okay, what kind of gear can we get to help me record? I didn't know anything at the time, but like this was like the first instance of like the little home two channel presonuses and stuff like that. Or, oh you know, yeah, at that time. they're like Firewire four hundred. Um, and then when I went, so I ended up going from here to Charlotte, actually. I lived in Charlotte for a year. Oh, okay. And that's when I worked at Apple. But working at Apple is what introduced me to a bunch of a, a bunch of dudes that were doing recording and stuff like that and music that were huh. smarter than I was. Right. Um, and that that's what definitely kicked me into this, like, okay, I'm in this world now. I get that it's really computer-based at this point. Um, Interesting. And then Nashville and all that stuff after that. So, did you ever go to Warp Tour? Oh, yeah. Dude, did you, um... I oh. thought I got my car stolen at Warp Tour once. What? Oh, you, you thought you did. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, 
Dude, where's I my went car? to Warp Tour. I went to Warp Tour. I parked my car. I went in, and then no, was it Warp Tour? <laughs> no, this was Bleak One Eight Two. Are you serious? It was at the Verizon Wireless Amphitheater in, in Charlotte. Charlotte. Not yeah. Warp Tour. Not Warp Tour. <laughs> but yes, I've been to Warp Tour. Yes, but yes, I thought I got my car stolen. I basically we went to go see Bleak One Eight Two. It was Blink-182, Taking Back Sunday, and Cypress Hill. Yikes, that's a huge lineup. Dude, huge show. Wow. I mean, the parking lot was gigantic. No and wonder I left, you lost And I was like, car. I can't find my car, dude. And so oh I had to like get a security officer, and I had to wait till everybody left. And then like everybody pulled out, and then like way in the distance, I was like, oh, there's my car. And I was like, sorry. And like, <laughs> lost my car. <laughs> it's like, oh, shit. Dude, at least your car didn't get stolen. Yeah. And, um... Yeah, no, it was, was a it was a haunted Civic too. I was like, this is the number one stolen car in yeah. America. It totally got stolen. <laughs> oh my god. The, um, did you did you hear about the when we were young fest? I did. That that recently happened, didn't it? Yes. It was September in Las Vegas. Yes, and that was put on they by had problems. They uh, see there was so many memes about them. Ha- like anticipating having problems because you look at the lineup and you're like this is like a fucked up like bumper sticker yeah. car like the back well, of the car thought it was, was like, fake first of all because it was too many bands y- yeah and then the first day they got canceled because of wind are you serious yeah the first day of when we were young got canceled Ugh, because dude, it was that's... so windy the um the like stages weren't couldn't they couldn't have anybody on stage or near the stage because of when but uh, and people were like that's crazy it's bullshit this isn't gonna happen but then there was video of people in vegas to where like the wind was like you could like walk down the street like diagonal because oh, it was yeah, just so state. hard it was like yeah you can't be on a pop-up stage man like that, dude. and i'm so i'm 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 sad that that was the case for them because like i i, I think it went from everybody being on like a one day event to them like kind of like realizing oh it should be like more than one day and then at that rate then it got the first day got canceled and i'm sure everybody was like this would happen yeah and man you know what was probably awesome though that first day got canceled and i bet you and i know some bands did but they probably took over every bar oh yeah vegas that night to play shows so if like you were there for that first night and didn't get to go to the show i bet you you probably could have found even better performance in a bar of your band being like you know we're just gonna go play this bar down the street then like we're here let's go play wherever and i've seen i I saw some footage of some bands doing it i'm assuming tons of bands did it i would think but which ones were you most stoked on being on that lineup if you can remember you know what i'm always gonna be a huge under oath fan oh yeah like man i I miss them and i love those dudes like i I have a friend that that's worked with them for a long time and uh rowdy my boy rowdy and um shout out and uh i will always check them out and i've, I've loved their music and aaron gillespie is probably one of my biggest drum influ- influences in my life it's like, a really good drum I come influence. Up from this, you know we're the same age basically but he's just one of those dudes where like i appreciate his stage presence over pretty much any other drummer you know it's like him aaron gillespie john theodore from like queens of stone age and it was in the mars oh, volta oh and he Nuh-uh. Yeah, yeah. He's in the Queens. He's in Queens now, and he was in the Mars Volta the first two records. Delauston. In the crematorium. Ampi- and, uh, Francis and me. Uh, was he on Amputecture? He might have been on Amputecture, too. Um, huh. And then he's played with a bunch of people. He plays with, like, Bright Eyes and stuff now, too. But he's a badass drummer. Oh, shit, yeah. But, like, guys like that that I'm like, it's high energy, 
heavy hitting, you know, faster stuff. I, that's that's how I like my drumming, you know. Um, but yeah, that's that I would love to see Paramore again right now. Like, yeah. I I love their new record. I think it's awesome. Um, and of course, I love all their old stuff. Big Paramore Paramore fan. Oh yeah. Um, ah, who else was on that show? I don't even remember. Dude, so many. I mean, like, I remember being stoked on seeing even Seosin on there. Seosin? That was like, what? Was Seosin with Anthony Green. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be cool. Um, also, Four Year Strong. I was... Four Year Strong. Like, they, I was listening to their... Which record was it? There was, like, their one... Like, one their breakout record. Um and just being like recently and just being like completely brought back into all that and i was just like oh i remember this stuff like yeah. still like all the drums like drums is like i love drums probably more than like stringed instruments yeah. and it's just because i find them more fun yeah <laughs> personally Dude, they are and um their drumming is just like insane i was just like oh yeah and like oh this filled yeah oh didn't my chemical romance play too oh yeah, yeah. yeah they're on the lineup yeah. It's, so I saw My Chemical Romance in like 2004 at House of Blues, Myrtle Beach, and they opened up for... Oh, damn, they opened up. Story of the Year. Oh, I, I forgot about that. They yeah. were probably on the lineup, too. Yeah, and so that was the first time I saw them. That was before Welcome to the Black Parade came out. Um, but they were good. That's crazy. That's when I was wearing my cut-off fingerless gloves. <laughs> My, with the bones on the back like oh like, yeah <laughs> come on yeah, we all like studded belt mm -hmm. from hot topic type beat that was me man that was what i that was all me yo it's target. not a phase mom dude i went to target and bought girls pants yo like, i was pre boy skinny pants like they didn't make skinny jeans no they did not for dudes back when then? i was wearing skinny jeans i had to go to target i had to go buy like a size at the time i was like a size 10 in girls i was so skinny I was a vegetarian. Yeah. Shout out. I was just drink, eating bean burritos from Taco Bell, yeah, and drinking PBR, exactly. and smoking camel Turkish silvers. <laughs> Dude. White studded belt, Target girl jeans. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm, cut off fingerless gloves. I definitely wore my sister's jeans, and I don't think she was that happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> like, where did those, like, pair of, like, American Eagle pants go? Exactly. Uh -huh. American Eagle was a huge one. Yeah, yeah. Dude. <laughs> Oh, the no. carabiner, yeah. And then every summer I'd cut them off and make like oh, the yes. short shorts. <laughs> yeah, dude. Those are the best, man. We can't dude, lie. You're fancy boys. Yeah. It's <laughs> weird. I, I smoke Camus Turkle Royal. I mean, Camel Turkish Royals. Royals. Yeah. And then, um, and definitely was eating like the fucking shit off the vegetarian uh, Taco Bell. That, that was the only thing. Fuck, that dude. and then like, dude, I remember eating like shit, which is probably why I stopped being a vegetarian because I was eating like shit. Cause I remember I worked at Cat's Music, the record store, and I remember uh, Wait, James so Allen. I remember that. Yeah, James oh, Allen. Yeah. That's I, I worked there for a while, almost two years. I worked there. That's cool. Yeah, but I was a vegetarian at the time, and I remember like one day or for like two weeks, I was like sick, Ugh. and I was like, dude, I cannot get better, and I was like, maybe it's because I'm eating like garbage non-meat food because I'm trying to just be a vegetarian. Yeah. So I went next door to Publix and I got a turkey sandwich. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to eat it. And I was like, oh my God, this is the best thing ever in my yeah, life. You like, feel so much. Yeah. And then I remember whole. trying to eat red meat and I couldn't do it. Mm. I couldn't do it. Yeah. That's a, that's a, a, a little leap right there. Yeah. Oh my God. But, um, yeah, I actually, dude, 
I have to take my vitamins every day now. Like I had, it turns out I had like a serious B12 deficiency. Yeah. 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 If you don't do it, if, if you're a vegetarian and you're not doing things like that, like yeah. it can mess you up a little bit. Yeah. yeah. You're like, why do I feel sluggish every day in life? Yeah. No, you gotta, you gotta take your vitamins. All right. Take your vitamins. Um, I take vitamins. Good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> dude, I spilt magnesium powder all over my beard this morning on accident, like, which I usually can take my vitamins like a pro. Obviously, it's like very easy, but the magnesium powder, I like take a swig of water and then like it's like this little like does scooper thing. Do you like the magnesium? Yeah. Does it help you a lot? Yes. Does it, it help does. you like, it's supposed to help you like sleep and stuff, right? Like it's supposed to help you like kind of be. I mean, all those things I'm sure like definitely help with things like that. Uh, Doesn't magnesium help you with, like a lot of stuff like bloating and sleep? Like your sleep is better, like your mood is better, like like all the above like from what i understand it's like bone and nervous system function along with like um i think it's like your teeth yeah and i don't know so apparently but melatonin helps with sleep like yeah. i know that much it starts with the same letter weed yes marijuana, such as m that's what i want all the m's yeah dude all the m's marijuana magnesium marijuana <laughs> marinara <laughs> Oh my god. So who do you listen to now? Oh. Dude, I listen so I've been listening to a lot of Death from Above. They're one Word. of my favorite bands ever. But they um, they stopped making music. No, they're still making music. Are Their last serious? record wasn't very good. Uh, the last record that, that came out last year, it's it's more electronic based and it's not really like to me it sounds like definitely a COVID thing where they like did themselves and were trying to be different and do different things cuz they've been a band for a long time so I get it. Just for me, I'm like, uh, it's not really my cup of tea. Um, but, uh, man, I've been listening to, like, Quicksand and Failure, like, these bands that are kind of heavier, like, older bands that were, like, from the 90s that are back around again. Weird, I haven't heard of them. Yeah, they're, they're like, heavier, kind of grungier rock music. What else have I been listening to? Man, I, I, I've listened to that new LS Dunes, which is the... Anthony Green's new project. It's with it's Tucker Rule from Thursday on drums, Anthony Green singing, uh, Frankie Arrow from My Chemical Romance on guitar, and then the nice. bass player and guitar. Oh, it's the bass player from Thursday and the guitar player from Coheed. Um, what? Yeah, yeah. And they have a new record out. That's insane. L S. It's L period S period Dunes D U N E S. Oh, um, okay. Producer named Will Yip did it, and Will Yip's probably one of my favorite producers ever. Basically, my future, I want to be the Willie Yip of the South. Willie Yip is up in Pennsylvania, um, and he makes a lot of great albums. He does, you know, Title Fight, um, the LS Dune stuff. I think he's worked with Circus Survive. He does, he did the last, I think he just did the last Quicksand single. Um, a bunch a bunch of bands. You'd have to look him up and see all the bands that he does. Basement. How do you spell his name? W-I-L-L. And then his last name is Yip, Y I P. I'm gonna look him up. He's uh, he's a he's a badass. He's he's a, he's a badass producer engineer. Um, but yeah, I would love to be him. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like awesome. I, he he does. He works with a lot of bands. He's a drummer as well, um, and he works with a lot of bands and does a lot of rock records and stuff. And like that would be ideal. Um, Fuck yeah. Dude, I listen to I listen to a lot of stuff. So what I'll do is I'll. Sometimes I'll just create a station off a band 
Yeah, yeah. So I'll just create, like, I'll just put in Death From Above, and then it'll just give me other things. Right, like Spotify? Yeah, I use Apple Music, but, okay. like, same thing. Like, yeah, it, just yeah, yeah. Create, it just creates stuff that sounds like that. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. sometimes it'll help me find a new band. Like, um, uh, what's that band called that I just found? I think called Beaches? Um, Beaches? Beaches. Oh, Beaches. Yeah, they're, um, oh, dude, Idols. Huh. I haven't heard idols. of any of these people. Like, Dude, Idols is a huge band. Uh, they're awesome. Um, the new He Is Legend is cool. Oh, you know, he is what? Oh, man. Bird, the fact Birds that in a... Row is another hardcore band that's awesome. Um, I haven't heard of them. Let's see. What else? Russian Circles is a big band of mine. They're an instrumental band. I feel like I've heard of them. Beach Riot. Not Beaches. Beach Riot is who I was thinking of. Um... There's this band, I think they're from North Carolina, called Avoid. I think they're from North Carolina. They're a hardcore band called Avoid. They're awesome. That's a cool band name. Um, what else have I been listening to, man? I Dude, I like things that have like cool drums in them. Yeah. So I listen to just a lot of like heavier, faster rock stuff, you know? Um, and funnily enough, I've worked on so much like singer songwriter music where like it's chill drums and acoustic guitars i've done that so much i think it's pushed me even more into like the heavier <laughs> yeah. music world where like i need like loud guitars and drums and basses and screaming and um things like that just because sometimes working on the opposite of that it's like i want to I want to listen to the opposite of that. It helps yeah. me. Keep, it helps me stay balanced. Like, <laughs> I stay balanced, you know. Yin yang. Um, yeah, stuff like that. Selena. Who's that? You don't know Selena? She was a famous uh, Selena prom- Gomez. Yeah, dude. No, Selena Gomez. I know, I'm kidding. The original Selena, dude. How do, how do you she, spell that? S e l e n a. And she was the original. Uh, well, not the original, but like, so Jennifer Lopez played her in like her first movie ever. So Selena was a crossover artist from Mexico that got really huge in the States in English. And she had a song, Bitty Bitty Bum Bum, Bitty Bitty Bum Bum. Oh, wait. And she had another song called, I Could wait. Fall in Love With You. Bitty Bitty Bum. fall in love with you. Um, it's not the She same. got murdered by her manager. She got what? <laughs> she got murdered by her manager. What? Yeah. She got shot. She got killed. I think her manager was stealing money and she confronted her and she got killed. The manager shot her. Maybe I have yeah. heard of this band. But, dude, her music is awesome. Like That's so sad. Fuck. What's, what's really funny is I think I'm wearing a Selena shirt right now. <laughs> oh, for real? Yes. Man. Uh, Shout out. I'm, a, I'm half Mexican, so I remember growing up, like, in my, uh, my like, aunts, my grandparents, my mom's side of my family, like, growing up in their house and watching, like, In Living Color. And, like, my, <laughs> aunt, my Aunt Sonia was a dancer, and, like, she, she danced. She was a cheerleader and stuff, and she would, like, memorize the... The choreographed dances on it in Living Color in the beginning and stuff like that. Uh-huh. And then watching like all these like Spanish American movies and things like that. I, I remember that's like how I was, how I grew up. So like I have this like soft spot in my heart for Selena because all of that. Damn. I did, I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm like, you're half Mexican? I am. I'm half Mexican. <laughs> but my parents got divorced when I was eight. Basically, my, my families didn't, they didn't like each other very much. And I was an accident. Oh no! Was, I think I was at my parents' wedding, like as a baby. Um, oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah. So I like I never I never learned I never spoke Spanish because I, I just they kept us away a lot. I think I just kept us separated. Okay. Um. Yeah. 
crazy, crazy stuff, which is how I ended up in Charleston. We ended up living with my grandparents and my grandfather was Air Force and we ended up here because he was stationed out here when he was young. Yeah. Yeah. The Air Force Base out here and shit. Damn. Yeah. Dude. (laughs) I like your, your handle name too. It's like. Cracking noises. Yeah. It's like, it reminds me of drums, obviously. I've had that since MySpace, dude. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh my god. If you look up crash bang noises, I have that everywhere. That is me. Any of the emails, any of the websites. <laughs> I've had that shit for like fuck, dude. Almost 20 years now. Dude, just the fact that you say MySpace. I know. That was my that was my like MySpace shit. <laughs> Man, MySpace was like better than facebook it was I miss like it. yeah did you see the shit about elon musk no you know, you know who shit going down with twitter and all that you've heard well, about all roughly, that roughly but yeah. what so elon musk said if he put a poll and if enough people agreed he would step down from twitter and tom from myspace said well who are you gonna get to run it and it was like oh shit like i would kill for myspace to be back dude it was like Facebook and Instagram. This, save combined. this. For, if we are we gonna start this again? In in a second. Yeah, yeah. I want to save this for that because I have a, I have some. I want to say something about MySpace. Yeah, dude. All right. So what was it? Because MySpace, dude. We can't. All right, hold on. That'll be the the Act transient two. marker. Act two. <laughs> so. For people like us, MySpace was super integral into like an influence on just really like discovering a whole lot of new bands and everything and myspace exactly faded okay exactly the the best part about myspace and what nobody has figured out how to do yet in a cool way that i know about anyway is when we were on myspace and you would go to a band's page yeah yeah you would have like their top eight. Oh yeah you know oh it would be like it. it would be like you, you could go down like a rabbit hole of music. You could be like, I'm going to go to whoever's page. I'm going to go to Under Oath's page. And then I'm going to go to their top eight and be like, these are top eight of their bands. And sometimes it would be like eight other bands on their label. But sometimes it'd be like a band that they're on tour with or like a friend's band or something like that. And you'd be yeah. like, who's this? And you'd go to their page and then they would have a whole different top eight of bands. But it wasn't necessarily like... You know, like what I'm saying is that I put on music and it plays similar bands that sound like Death From Above. Yeah. It, sometimes that's kind of annoying because it's like, I don't necessarily need to know all the bands that sound like Death From Above, but it would be bands that were, MySpace was bands that Death From Above likes on their top eight. Yeah. You know, so you could like click on a band, go to their top eight and be like, this is a band that they just toured with, or this is a band that they just became friends with on tour. Huh. from wisconsin it's like nobody knows about these guys and you can click on them and listen to their music and find out who they were it was such a cooler way of discovering music because you still had to put in that little bit of effort to be like i got to click here and i've got eight options to click here which way do i want to go yeah it was like a choose your own ending <laughs> you know like responsible <laughs> like yeah, yeah. You like click on it okay and that's gonna take me to this band okay that's gonna take me to this band and then you could even like find yourself in a loop sometimes but sometimes you'd find some really cool shit <laughs> yeah and, like, back in I, my day we actually had to click dude we had to click on stuff man yeah. <laughs> dude but for real i that feature alone i want so bad and i've tried to talk to people about doing like and somebody just take this and steal this idea and make it <laughs> top eight that whole idea of a band and it's just for bands 
I guess you could make it for other things too, but bands is what it really works well with. To where bands curate their own top eight, and then it takes the takes you to your page where you can listen to two or three songs from that band, get their bio, get their merch, tour dates, all that stuff. It's MySpace again, basically, but then you can just find other bands that way. And the band is the one who puts their top eight up. It's not an algorithm. It's not a bot. It's the band being like, who's our top eight right now? Yes. And you change it weekly or whatever. Seriously, man. And that's how you find new music. Kind of reminds me of, I don't know how much you like SoundCloud or Mm -hmm. have used it, but... I've used it, yeah. Yeah, it's like, granted, like, there isn't, like, top eight is very just unique to MySpace, obviously. And, like, man, I just... I feel like MySpace was like Facebook mixed with like SoundCloud, yeah. But like still better, yeah. And it shouldn't have failed. Like I remember the the whole thing about it. Just like when Facebook came along, I was just like fuck Facebook, like blah blah blah. And then it just t- took precedence, and then MySpace ended up like dying. And then like we got duped, dude. Facebook tricked everybody. Man, it's not as good, dude. And like. Mark Zuckerberg's sketch. Yeah, we we got tricked by Facebook because it was it was elitist. It was you can't get Facebook unless you have a college email. Oh yeah, and then uh-huh. it was it like, was and then it was like, well, nobody can get Facebook, so we're gonna stay on MySpace. And then it was like, anybody can get Facebook now, so everyone was like, we're gonna get on Facebook. And so MySpace was just like, like it just crashed. But then people didn't at the time didn't realize we left MySpace, which was totally customizable. You could have music on your page put your pictures up, do your statuses, talk to people, all that kind of stuff for Facebook, which was basically a picture and a status. Yeah. And it wasn't customizable. Yeah, you can't it was, do like it was side banners bullshit. and shit. Yeah, it yeah. was bullshit. And I don't know, it was like brilliant marketing at the time, I guess, because it was new and whatever, and, and, mm-hmm. and it was gate-capped. And then, it, and, and then MySpace just died, and it sucks. And then MySpace tried to come back, and it just wasn't the same because they changed it, and... If they brought back the original MySpace, I think it would be huge right now. Yo! And just kept it the way, exactly as it was, to where you can customize your background, add your music to your page, all that stuff. I think people would be like, let's go. Everything else is nostalgic right now. Fashion trends, when we were young festival, like all that other stuff, just bring MySpace back. Yeah, it's like like the past, like 20 years ago or something always comes back in vogue in like the yeah. present and it's crazy that it's now kind of like that growing up you realize like oh my god like everything about these bands that i just thought would be like extinct along with myspace like you know the hawthorne High, like yeah. silverstein like all these bit like I, no like they're still fucking doing it dude just like they should man because it's like growing up listening to classic rock and stuff and still right. seeing that like rushes was still on tour like rest in peace neil peart yeah like the best drummer of all time, basically, and then you know all those old bands that like literally were still doing it. You're like, we're stoked on them doing it, even as a kid. But then it's now the same difference growing up and still seeing like all these bands it like Paramore. Like it's a it's a testament to music, M- music, like with withstands the test of time, and it's also a testament to that we are getting older, and so like nostalgia is a thing, and our nostalgia is different than our parents. Yeah, because we still have access to we've had access to the internet for enough time that we still do have access to that we like are are still connected to that and and I do feel like it kind of keeps us young in a way to where like our thirties are different than our parents' thirties. Oh yeah, you know because I I think we've we don't buy into the fact that like 
you have to just grow up and get old and die. Like we're <laughs> like, you can still love the shit that you love and and play music and do all these things until you die. Like it doesn't it doesn't matter. It's a different time, different period, a different way of thinking, and um, and that's a benefit from the internet. You know, it's just like knowing that we don't have to change and be some old crotchety people like our parents ended up being because they got like, I don't, I don't even know what happened to, to a lot of them, but it just seems like a different thing. It's a totally different thing. I feel like. Yeah. It's, it's like, I wasn't really supported or believed in growing up, like pursuing music because they're like, that's just like, I just feel like it was so gate kept yeah, and how, that it yeah. just didn't seem like yeah. it was realistic. Like, Hey, right. like, no, you should just be like a doctor or a, blah 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 yeah and that and like i get that i get that like yeah it's not i get it's not like a real job and i get that i'm not going to be like a a, a a millionaire but i'm way happier doing what i'm doing and making a little bit of money than any other job i've had where i've made more money and not been able to do what i wanted like do creatively and stuff like that i'm like that's stifling yeah like what's the point of life at that point like to make money no. and pay bills. And like, like I have a seven-year-old daughter, and I hope she grows up doing what she wants to do and not something that she does for money. Because yeah, I, no. I don't want to give into this, and this is a little bit heavy, but like I don't want to give into this capitalistic system that is just like you have to work and make money to to live in this country. And I'm like, no, I'd rather my daughter be poor and live with me for the rest of her fucking life if she's putting out art and doing shit like that. Because yeah, I think that's more important and 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 way cooler than anything else you could do making money like and it's so much easier nowadays to facilitate an like an artistic entrepreneurial lifestyle than it was back then dude the oh, internet, absolutely yeah the internet, yeah like, come on that's the that's the double-edged sword of the internet it's like that is a good thing on the internet and then the bad side of the internet is nobody buys music anymore <laughs> like <laughs> because it, of the internet you know yeah art is hard to sell it it's is. easier to make Oh, it's yeah. like, <laughs> oh, dude, I I feel that I do I do, and it's it it's crazy because now we're having to live off the pennies of the streams, like royalties and all that stuff, and you know. But at the same time, like I mean, everybody has something that they can do in response to that. Like, hey, we're gonna like incept a merch store and like yeah. push it that much harder, and then you know. We, we even like through Reddit, which is yeah. like something that I didn't get into. Deslin's super heavy into it and got gods into Reddit like that way. That to the point where it created like a demand. People were like wanting vinyls and stuff. I'm like, what? Yeah. Like, people seriously like like that was surprising to me personally. And this is like the the coming of realization around like, hey, that shit isn't dead. Like right. people still appreciate like some. Vinyls, vinyls, because huge you, right now. Vinyls is still huge. I'm used to vinyls being like music that doesn't sound like it, like music that's supposed to belong on vinyls is what I'm used to hear, like old yeah, 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 shit. Yeah, yeah. But then now, yeah, yeah. like, yeah, you could get like an under oath vinyl. That's just, that blows yeah, my yeah, mind. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. That that whole thing. And you know, th there is there is some merit to that. Like, I think there is merit to like if you have like a heavy bass record, like vinyl's not really the way to go. Like, you know, it's like. And you have to have a really good system and vinyl itself can only take so much of a low end to, to print the vinyl that, the, that you could get a, the, your grooves will get messed up if, depending on how like low your base is, you know, like, uh, and it can't translate like vinyl only does like a, I think they, it's, it, 
15k is like the top frequency that like vinyl responds to and then i think wow. like it's like 25 or, th or 30 hertz or something like that like it doesn't That's go that right. low before yeah. the needle can start bouncing off your record so you have to be able Shit. to print that's why like heavy bass music isn't really great for vinyl records. I didn't realize that. Yeah, like you can only print so much information onto a vinyl record because it's a physical medium. It's literally a needle touching a groove that has been printed with the music. And if you're, it's printing that music based off the music that you give them at the plant. So when they make their master, they have to play that music into that record. It's so weird. So like, like if you give them to a- engineer it differently. A, you have to. Yeah, their vinyl mastering is, is a whole... Nobody does it anymore. Like, nobody does their vinyl masters because basically, the way you master stuff now, it, they can make it to where... And I think some vinyl, like, pre pressing plants and stuff will tell you, like, they'll probably chop off this information here and chop off this information on the top, bottom and top. Because yeah. it just won't work. They won't be able to actually make the record if they don't do that. So, like... It's mind-blowing. If you have this older music where that was recorded and, very, and quieter and stuff like that, like... Yeah. the old rock bands and stuff like that that would put print to vinyl it sounded better because the dynamics were there but there wasn't that little information to begin with you know they didn't have subby kick drums and things like that back then everything was much more just punchy and and and, and attacky and not so thuddy you know yeah it's hard um, to describe isn't that interesting yeah like the way engineering has like changed throughout the whole evolution of um you know music in general like now everything like it almost like i feel almost like a bass fiend now in comparison because i'm just like damn like listening to some old records yeah even from like the my like the myspace era or like the warp tour bands and stuff like that i'll listen to it and i'm just like yeah, that's how they engineered the old, it back the, then yeah okay like listening to someone's album from then from like 2005 yeah. even like yeah, circus yeah. survive i'm like yeah, yeah. that bass is there's like no kind of subtle like yeah, yeah there's no line because that's not a thing like dude the hip-hop even hip-hop from that era like there was like the 808 thing is is one thing but like the sub thing and a lot of that stuff it didn't really kick on and i would say probably to the last 15 years you know like that super low-end subby thing where frequencies could get that low and it was easier for people to make frequencies that low. I definitely feel like compared to rock albums from 2005, if you put it, if you, if I turn that into somebody now, they'd be like, this is super thin, you know, they'd be yeah, like, this is, a, this is a thin sounding thing. And now that, you know, it's also just how things were recorded. It's just, you, you didn't do that because that information didn't need to be there for a rock album. You didn't need that sub end. You didn't need that sub low end or whatever. And now it's like people are so used to having these hyped headphone like beats and stuff like that. Yeah. The hyped low end headphones and stuff. Like you yeah. have to have that information because then it won't sell. People won't listen to it because it doesn't sound good on their headphones or, you know, things Jeez. like that. Like it's so weird. Yeah. And and then having to like Yeah, still like capture the essence of a record based on like kind of what you've been used to but then like adding a new age sort of tinge to it like i don't know because that's like a, a whole side of music that i'm unfamiliar with i'm used to now like messing with like hey like you really have like your bass has to be as like as saturated as possible and like thick thicker than a snicker 
And, um, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, but yeah, man. And, and you don't see any other old mediums like coming back like cassettes. No, (laughs) I still see bands that are like, we're putting out a cassette of our album. I'm like, why? Yeah. Well, (laughs) why are you putting out a cassette, dude? And and that, and that's kind of part. That's also too. There's a lot of like pretentiousness and and a lot of that stuff where it's like people are doing it because uh, kids will buy it because they think it's cool. But at the end of the day, it's like, that's not practical. There's a reason why we don't use cassettes anymore. Yeah. We don't even use CDs anymore. No. They were way more practical than cassettes. <laughs> it's not that it's, cassettes sound better. They don't sound better. Like, <laughs> digital sounds the... It really does sound the best. But, like, it's just not as fun. It's not It's fu- not fun not having a tangible object. So, like, if you can buy a cassette and you get this thing that you can store and collect, just like a vinyl record, Yeah, that's, that's the goal. Like, even mm-hmm. if your record doesn't necessarily have all the low-end information or the high-end information, at least you have this tangible thing that you can pull out and look at the art and have this disc that you can throw on a record player and put it on Yeah, and not have to worry about, like, you know, being on a phone or whatever or looking at it or getting a phone call and interrupting your music. Like, there, there are aspects of it that are cool that I still think make those things worth it. But, like, at the end of the day... Technology has gotten to a point where it does sound really good. We've gotten to a point where we have figured out all the bugs, like the hiss, the noise floor of tape, all that stuff. They've worked to get rid of it, and now we're putting it back in. Interesting. Like, no, you're so right. Yeah, now we're like, it's so clean, we got to make it sound like tape. It's like, <laughs> well, you know, the whole point of this was to get rid of the tape sound. Like, we were trying to get rid of all this stuff like you know so true dude and so now we're trying to make it sound old even though it's new and we've we've hit that point now For where real. it's like there's only so much there's only so much you can go with audio like at, at, at this point i think we've kind of hit hit a place where it's like we've done the thing audio sounds so good now people can have really good speakers in their house for under 500 dollars that people are doing you can get all kinds of cool stuff microphones, things like that, headphones. Like, music has hit a place, and I'm sure it's going to grow, and I'm sure I don't even know the technology that can happen. But the Atmos thing, have you messed with the Atmos, the Dolby Atmos stuff? No, I've been seeing it, and I'm like, I it it hasn't been relevant enough for me to, it's, like, look into. It's not... I, I have th- my thing about the Atmos stuff and the Dolby, like, 5.1 stuff. Like, I, cool, movies, I get that aspect of it. That's a cool thing. But music, when they're trying to do this Atmos thing, I swear it's just a way for people to buy more speakers. Well, so what is it like? So Dolby it, Atmos is basically surround sound, yeah. except now they've added like you get a speaker, speakers up in the ceiling and behind you. Um, like home theater status. Type it's like home shit. theater status, but then like now you can mix, you can get a, an Atmos certified studio where you have your speakers and. They have to be. You have to have a certain size room, and they have to be a certain distance away from each other, and then you can be certified by Dolby to be an Atmos thing. Hmm. But I'm like, to me, that that's that's not how that's not music. Like, I get it for movies and stuff, but they're put there's a whole thing on Apple where you can listen to Dolby Atmos versions of like this is mixed for Dolby Atmos, and I'm like, this is ridiculous because i'm still listening with two ears like yeah like how i'm listening with headphones or whatever and music to me that's how music is it's it's if i'm standing watching a band i'm listening and i'm getting this binaural 
perspective. Right. I haven't heard that. Um, uh, yeah. The, and the, I, I don't know. I, I, I am not an And somebody probably, um, if, if they listen to this podcast, will be like, well, actually, it's a, you know, the Amos thing is whatever. I'm like, I, to me, it's, it's, it's just kind of gimmicky. It's like, we're taking steps. Dolby's taking steps to the future. But it's like, really, they've just been around for a while and now they want to be relevant again. So they're going to tell people, you got to do this. But if you really want to listen to Dolby App, Atmos, you're going to have to get an Atmos setup. I don't understand how that would translate properly because, like, if you're mixing for speakers that are behind you, like, and stuff like that, and then how, how in the world is it supposed to sound decent in, in a stereoscopic way? It's, I, dude, to me, I'm like, I don't even give a shit about it. Like, I I don't even (laughs) want it. I'm like, it just sounds like it's just a, it's just, they just want me to buy shit. Yeah. That's what it sounds like. It's like like a gimmick. Yeah. And I'm going to get there and I'm going to listen to record and I'm going to be like, Oh, did you hear that bell back there? To my <laughs> right left? That was cool. Oh, did you hear that over there? And like, I get the, even the car, like the movie thing. Like, if I'm listening to a movie, watching a movie with Dolby Atmos, I'm like, I don't think I'm going to get that much of a difference of a vibe between Dolby Atmos and a Dolby 7.1. Like, yeah, it sounds like a pain in the ass to actually engineer for. Like, how do you even, like, what, because you're, like, when it comes to left and right, is it like back and forth? Yeah, like, you can. It's a three D spectrum. It's, uh, a, it's a three dimensional box that you can mix in. So is it like Dolby brand? Yes, it's Dolby like Atmos plugin, or like yeah, so like or like a whole interface. It's in so in Pro Tools you can mix if you have the system, you have to be able to have that many outputs for your speakers. Yeah, then you can mix, you can make a Dolby Atmos session, dude, to mix your audio in that aspect. <laughs> It's like they're like seeing like decreases in sales. They're like, oh, I gotta do anything. That's what it feels like. That's what it feels like to me. Cause I don't feel like it's gonna, cause I mean, okay, nobody's gonna buy, nobody even fucking buys Dolby 5.1 systems anymore. Yeah, I don't think people care that much about Dolby's like. And then if you're gonna fold it down to a stereo left and right anyway, like don't try to fake that yeah, on me. It like, seems like it would just, sound worse. Yeah, it seems like to me you just have phasing problems and exactly. stuff trying to do that. Like, just give me a regular left and right channel. It's enough in and of itself. And, like, let's... Because I'm not... I, I've never heard a stereo... I've never heard a song in headphones and been like, you know what? I need more, like, <laughs> shit behind me and more shit way in front of me. It's like, no. Yeah, it makes me wonder because I haven't had like this much of a forward thinking conversation about this stuff like very like ever basically because, you know, you you take the past, present and future and you're like, yeah, like how much farther can we go with it? Like outside of like sound design stuff, like, you know, the synthesizers that people are using now, man, I feel like Beethoven would just be like flipping over like in his grave. I would. The future of music is so weird because you feel like and like we just said. I feel like it can't get much better, but it's going to. Like something is going to happen to where things get better, speakers get better, microphones get better, plugins get better, and whatever aspect, like the way that they, you know, like the isotope stuff. Have you ever messed with anything? Oh like yeah, isotope? I actually I'm, yeah all the time. Yeah, like the, the isotope mastering. stuff is just amazing. It's like the best. The mouth declick plugin. Oh yes, from isotope. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. When you're doing vocals, we used to draw clicks out. Oh I used yeah, to have to go through, lines. I would have to go through Fuck. back in our day a vocal check. Yeah, and go 
and somebody's lip smack, and I would literally have to go like, all right, let me draw that out. Tiny ass little deduction and like the volume draw automation. And then, dude, when we got the mouthy click and we just put it on and they were gone, I was like, this is the technology that we want. Like all the bullshit that you don't have to deal with in making music anymore because nobody has the money. Nobody has the time because yeah, nobody the has the money. Yeah. Is that's the stuff I need to be able to be like, throw that plug in on there. Yeah. Get rid of all these pops and clicks straight up from their lips smacking. Yep. Yep. And I don't have to do it. I don't have to spend 45 minutes going through a vocal and getting that out anymore. Like that's where I think the technology is going to be like blowing our minds in the future. Yeah. Where you it's know? less work on the front end. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. Where like the, 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 even I, and isotope, I think is the forefront of all that. I think they're the ones that are like, they're, they're doing magic in their plugin development. Oh uh, yeah. Like stuff that they're doing. It seems so practical from an engineering standpoint that I'm like, whoever is doing this, it's like some engineer who loves music, but is also like a savant programmer. Yeah. You know, that's like, so hard to find. Seem to have a cross blend between. Yeah. It's like that's And I think, I think in 10, 10 years from now, we're going to have plugins that just like for, for the good and the bad of it, handle all the bullshit problems that we have today are going to get sussed out even more you know like, yeah like imagine like a microphone that has like built-in like dsing and like mouth to click that and might like, even already i mean dude that probably already exists they already have like slate has the what do they call it the m1 or whatever where like you model the modeling microphones I think I know which one you're talking about. So Slate has the modeling microphone where you can just change it to be, you know, an 87 mm -hmm. or a 414 or 47 or whatever. And even UAD now has the Townsend Lab one that has the same thing where you can change the microphone to model all these vintage microphones and it sounds the same. So basically they're using it's crazy different homages and, and, and different impedances and then different EQ curves to model what these microphones sound like. Um, Jesus. And so you can basically buy one microphone and get whatever. And, you know, the purist in you goes, there's no way that you're ever going to be able to do that. But at the same time, the technology is going, well, we fucking can. Like, we can make anything sound like anything now, basically. I know. And it's like the whole thing between, like, the dilemma of, like, emulation plugins versus the $10,000 hardware mm -hmm. or whatever, like these compressors and stuff. And I've been trying to develop like the ear for understanding, like really how to like, man, it's, it's like, it's something that I haven't had like the full experience of knowing like exactly how all like these different microphones actually sound in like a real life recording setting versus like the emulated version of it. Yeah. So it's like, Oh yeah. Like the CLAs and stuff. And like, yeah you know all that but like it's a it's a different like at the same time i use that that opportunity to just like dive into something a little bit different i will say that like i've been fortunate enough to use a lot of the real version of a lot of stuff which is fucking rad which is awesome and when it comes to the plugins i don't personally i can tell the difference between say a, a real eleven seventy six compression, yeah, yeah, and an in the box eleven seventy six compression, is it worth ten thousand dollars? Probably not, especially to a normal person. Yeah, and especially because I think you can get pretty damn close. But having that, like having an eleven seventy six, and being able to run a vocal through it in real time, 
makes your life so much easier on the back end because I know I don't have to worry about trying to figure it out with a plugin, you know? And the UAD stuff is awesome. I love it. And I love the Slate stuff. I, man, I, I've never liked Steven Slate. His personality is whatever. But his <laughs> his plugins are great. They're very functional. They get a lot done for the price that he does for that, like, year subscription. He yeah. has, like, a yearly subscription. And I think if anybody is making music on their own, they should be using that stuff because you get so much for your dollar with Damn. that kind of stuff. You get so much. You get a ton of emulations of, like, Distressors, 1176, LA-2As. Um, there's the, I think it's called the, what's it called? The OP-1 or something that's basically, like, another, um, like, compressor that lets you have different, uh, changes your, like, uh, Response. It gives you like a a, a warm, uh, aggressive, um, but it's like an LA two A, so it's an like an opto trans like opto compressor, but it gives you different versions of that. And then you have like really great SSL EQs, Neve EQs, API EQs, like all that stuff is built into that thing. And then you have your virtual virtual mix rack, which gives you the emulation of consoles. And so, like, uh, you literally can have an SSL console or an RCA or a Neve or a Trident, like, all these things. And so you can put those on each one of your tracks, and then on your master track, you can have the SSL, and then you can drive it so where you can get more of that geez. console saturation. Yeah, exactly. Um, depending on how much you want. And that's all for... That's a whole thing that you get. It's like 180 bucks for a year. Like, Shit. So, See, like, yeah. I haven't fucked with Slate like that, and, like, I don't have, like, the... Uh, well, I don't even know what the UAD drivers or whatever. Like, yeah. de I've defaulted to like Isotope, yeah. Sound Toys, yeah. Waves, obviously. Yeah. The Wave you know. stuff, I the Wave stuff, I think is is they make some good things. I, I definitely like got away from them because I mean, I, Slate seems like the better version of that. I, I don't. I think Slate puts in more work into their plugins. I don't think Waves and. And th this is just kind of me talking about how I feel. They could be, they might be great for you and whoever is listening, like use them. I use Waves for a long time. I just got away from them because I was getting everything I needed from Slate. Yeah. And Slate, because you have that yearly pass, I sound like I'm a spokesperson for them right now. No, right? you're going to plug like, what you believe But when they update something, they go, all right, there's a new, there's a new plugin in your thing. Go update your thing and you'll get like a brand new plugin, like just because you're subscribed to their thing. And so, like, all of a sudden, you'll get, like, a new de-esser or a new, like, exciter or something, you know? Oh, shit, or, yeah. And you get all their synth stuff. So you get all their, you get all their, like, they just put out a thing called, Ma uh, what's it called? Oh, it's a bass plugin. It's called, I want to say Massive, but it's not Massive, because that's the name yeah, of the that's, um, It's like a VST, I forget, though. I forget, but it's, it's a synth. It's a bass synth. And, like, you get all that with all its synth sounds. You get all these other synths. Like you get all kinds of shit with the slate stuff. It's yeah, it's, and it's that doesn't really happen. So much waves. bang for your buck. Yeah, yeah, waves is more or less like just actual like audio editing plugins versus like vs like synthesizers. Yeah, of sorts. Yeah, waves and like you can get good deals. There's some stuff that waves does that's pretty good. Like um, waves has has some metering plugins that I use and um, the WLM plus plugin is really good to measure like your LUFS and, and decibels of of your songs but even then like slate has their own stuff now and it's good to have options too it's good to be yeah. able to weigh weigh something that like you get from one company and see how it reacts and then put something else and see how it reacts and see which one you like better 
So, yeah. you know, it's like, not, don't just stick to one thing, but like, true. If you're not fucking with the slate shit, like, I, you should take a look and like, and, and mess with it. Cause it's, it's definitely, I think, the best quality for the amount of money that you're getting right now in the plug in world. Damn, yeah. And that's a big thing. Cause I, hate steven slate <laughs> i hate that dude so much oh my god i don't know him like that oh dude there's so many videos i've watched of that guy where he just like sings on his own songs for demos and stuff and he's like baby and like he does his own i was just like oh cringe. dude you're cringe dude but his stuff i'm like his stuff is pretty good well, stuff you, is good you kind of got to put credit where credit's due it's it's shifting into that world man whether we like it or not and um you know i i Every time I've gotten to like touch a dial of a compressor, I'm like, whoa! It's a different thing. Being able to Weird. touch stuff, yeah, tactile and in, like interaction, is definitely a thing, and it's cool to have. That's one thing. Slate, I can't stand this is Raven thing where it's like the touch screen monitor where he like you you can touch your. I'm like, no, nah, get, get that out of there. <laughs> but like having a having a compressor and having the pre's like all of our stuff at the studio is front end like the pre's compression eq i try to do as much of that into the box as we can yeah and then from there we can do minor adjustments and effects and things like that yeah you know? um for me somebody who's been doing it for a while i it's just i like having the outboard versions of some things because i just can get more out of them i think easier than having to sit there and dial in like a, a plug-in really hardcore yeah uh, which is beneficial to my workflow which is beneficial to being like what sound are you hearing let me get that sound and then we can move on you know like what do you want this to sound like let's do this is that are we cool cool let's move on you know as opposed to being like you gotta trust me it's gonna sound better later yeah you later know, like uh, yeah. it is kind of like that yeah you you actually do have that right where it's like sometimes i'm just like for workflow sakes i have to sacrifice like some fucking front end quality just to be like yeah, i which will is very dangerous yeah. i know and so it's like especially with a new client yeah um but yeah so and i feel like i already know like that like where the sound difference lays and i've been trying to work with that curve as much as possible be like I'll listen to records that I, I know were in like a million dollar studio or something like that yeah. and like understand like a lot of it is like the recording in and of itself and then a lot of it is like the engineering in and of itself and like the way that those vocals sound and like that they're not like too like you know they don't sound like too maxed out and they sound like really analogy mm -hmm. and like pure yeah not like too like like sometimes like D, like just like the the high end of some shit just is really fucky yeah um and especially without like too much too many like preamps involved in the situation like it, it, you kind of have to work against that too but like so that's like something that i think some bedroom producers like you know adapt to yeah the bedroom producer thing is here and it's not going anywhere because that's what people do like that's how people that's how a lot of music is made and a lot of really good music is made right now but I think I, I think some of the better bedroom producers, like take you know, let's go some let's go with like somebody like Phineas, who who they did Billy Eilish's record in the bedroom of their parents' house, that that first Billy Eilish record, her brother, you know Phineas? No, no. So do you know Billy Eilish? Well, yeah. Yeah. So her brother Phineas produced her record in the bedroom of their parents' house. It was like this. It's crazy. It was like this setup. 
everything was done here. She sat on the edge of the bed. She sang into a microphone. He would do all the tracks on a keyboard, but he could play. And they also sent that shit out to be mixed okay, by right. a but pro still... and mastered by a pro. But they did it in their bedroom. And that was a... I mean, that record is one of the biggest records that's probably ever going to come out. And they did it in their bedroom, brother and sister, sitting like this. Just like we're I talking right now. I didn't even right know now. that. Yeah. There's a, there's a, you can watch it. There's a little, little uh, documentary about it. Uh, no, no, no. Like, dude, yeah. This is crazy. The wedding band engineer that we have, um, our live engineer, he was trying to tell me about something about, like, literally, yes, the... Yeah, day before yesterday about the way like all that went vocal comps and shit and like how like you know somebody was like oh my god it's crazy that like i guess they thought that like the way that it came out on the record was like a one take instance yeah, yeah never yeah. it's never no, like, no. like it's very rarely like that Dude, actually my, if anything. A, a majority of what i've done in my life is fucking vocals like you gotta be a good comping, vocal engineer oh. comping vocals and tuning vocals it's everything is 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 on every record that you're ever gonna do i mean minus like you know heavier stuff but like anything that you've ever heard on the radio or whatever it, it it's it's comped it's tuned to the point where it, it, it's a spectrum billy Eilish's stuff she has picked syllables to comp and make her shit like a breath uh uh a pop whatever sound they have picked those to where they think that's the best vocal take, you know? And see? And then there are some people that go, I just want that word. Give me the words from this phrase. And there are some people that are like, give me the phrase. Yeah. And like there are some people that are chunks. like, take that verse and give me that chorus and tune it all. And the better you are at singing, the less you're going to hear the tuning. Seriously, the worse you dude. are at singing, the more you're going to hear the tune because it's yeah. pulling your notes harder. Yeah. So, so whenever you hear music and you can tell that, like, you start hearing that T Pain thing, uh, it just means that T Pain can sing, which is the craziest. A badass. He's the best singer. Yeah, like, he, he won the Mass Singer, like, the first season. Oh, yeah. yeah. That show, dude. Of course dude. he did, man. He's so, like, that, that. I remember the moment I realized that it blew my fucking dude. mind. Because I thought he was a shitty singer. He's a badass singer. He did it. it. He was just using it as an effect. He was just using it as a, a thing. And it caught on and became this trendy thing. And yeah, T-Pain can sing. And a lot of people that I know, some of the I've worked with some badass singers. And we still have to tune their vocals. I almost had like I almost need to do that just because Okay, like when you're dealing with like backgrounds, ad libs, main vocals, yeah. doubles. All those things get glued together a little bit better when there's like a literally an Antares plug-in on there or what, yeah. whatever Melodyne you're using, whatever. Yeah. Because it just literally somehow... And that's something that people nowadays are like losing touch with being a good singer over because they're they expecting to be compensated. Yeah. Yes. And so you don't have like that... Yeah. It, they don't, they're not as good on average no. anymore. And, and, that, and that's... People that aren't people that are like that that think that they can just go ahead and give you a pass and be like well we can tune that oh, are not people like, are not people that are performing live very well and yeah they're not gonna probably last as long and that yeah. th that is a very big thing i take pride in being very good at what i do whenever i do it so like if i'm gonna go play drums in my band i want to fucking perform i don't want to fuck up yeah not i want to be like, solid i want to be like splice together comps of drums pro like. i want to be pro I want to do Absolutely. that. And I'm not, not against like, yeah, fuck, I did it four times. I did that song four times, top to bottom. 
but I do think the bridge was better on this one. Put that in there. That's fine. That, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. But like generally, yeah. Out in the real world, if I'm playing a show, yeah, you can't. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want to nail that part. Like I'm, I want to nail everything that's going on. Like I'm putting in everything I got. I'm going 100. Everything is played with purpose when I'm doing it. And I think a lot of people re- don't think that people notice if they mess up or can't. And generally, they don't. But like you know. And like you should strive to try to be as good as you can be whenever you're performing, because all that's going to do is help you get better. If you're not putting yourself in that aspect of, I need to, I need to try a little bit harder and try to make this as good as I can right now, then you're you're just selling yourself short. You know, you're Seriously. not being the best artist you can be. And guess what? There are some people out there that are trying to do the best that they can do. And so, if you think you're gonna out, you're gonna out create them when they're stepping their game up and you're not yep then you're fooling yourself so like you'll get they'll get the the live gig over you right they'll get the live gig they'll get the recognition they'll get the song like there will be things that they get you know like you got to be able to when it when it comes down to to doing and performing you got to give it a hundred percent of what you got in that moment like you have to i agree you have to be the pro you have to be the pro you have to go in your head and be like I'm a professional. I should be able to nail this. And, and that's not saying you can't make mistakes. You can make mistakes. You can do whatever. You, we're all humans. But you have to go in there going, I have to try 100% right now and try to be... Uh, I always say playing with per, playing on purpose. It's not playing for perfection, but everything that you do needs to be on purpose. If I'm going to hit that note, I want to try to hit that note. If I'm going to hit do this beat, I'm going to play that beat. And even if it's the wrong thing, do it with purpose. Because even then, you might be able to get it and pull it pull it off. Like, especially when it comes to playing instruments, you can be in a session, and I'll tell drummers when they're on a session that are young that don't know. I'm like, I want you to play, and even I want you to play like even if you play the wrong thing, that that's the right thing, and it made the rest of the band do the wrong thing. I want you to play so on purpose, right? That if you're if you fuck up, I want the band to think they fucked up. Yeah, because right <laughs> it's with like that confidence. Yeah, it's and that confidence and purpose. Because if you keep doing that, you're gonna play the right thing more than you're not gonna play the. You know, you're, you're gonna do the right thing, but you have to go in knowing and mentally prepared to go. I'm gonna go in there and I'm gonna fucking play every note with purpose. And there's something that happens when you do that. And I've noticed when I play, when I think about that, and I go, I'm gonna play all everything right now with purpose. There's just like this precision that turns on. Yeah. Where like all of a sudden you're like, I'm doing it. And you have to kind of get in that zone and it's a little bit hard. But if you can do that, I think that separates a lot of people from just getting in there and being all willy nilly and jamming or whatever. And like, there's a time and a place for that. But like being a professional musician and, and doing things like that and playing on purpose is is key. It reminds me of a another really good quote that I'll never forget, and that is like the difference between an amateur and a professional. Um, not sure if you've heard this one, but an amateur practices until they get it right, and then a professional practices until they like literally can't get it wrong. Yeah, yeah, you know, and like that's something that you don't find as much these days because people are just. I don't know, man. Like, you just don't find it as much these days. It, Yeah, because, like, people are like, oh, if that's good enough, then it's good enough. Versus, like, back in our day, we used to practice. This is such an old man thing, but I really do think, like, what you're saying is, is I think the instant gratification that kids have grown up with, that we didn't grow up with, yeah, 
is like I think it's hard for I think it's harder for kids to put in some time into say focusing on an instrument or something where they like if they don't especially because you can fix stuff now we didn't necessarily have that but they're taking it for granted you know we, we did not have that we had to be like play this and, and get it right in the recording because we didn't have you know editing was a thing but it wasn't as big of a thing and now it's like oh if i can just play this on the keyboard and if i fucking note it, i can just drag the note yeah i'm like the midi you know, like, or whatever so why would i practice mm, you know like, i know that's you know, what they like, think yeah that, that's the thing and so like that's why i'm such a come to the studio you want to play piano let's play the piano like you want to play drums let's play the real drums let's play bass like you got to play these instruments that you can't i can still fix stuff but like you gotta be good at it like be good at what you're doing and if you want to make stuff in the computer after that's fine but you got to know what you're doing beforehand otherwise you're just doing excel like <laughs> if you're just making midi mapping and doing your writing out your key parts and stuff like that to me, I'm like, that's just Excel spreadsheet, dude. Like, you Excel might as well. spreadsheet. Yeah. <laughs> Would you make this beat in yeah, Microsoft Paint? Exactly. Nice, dude. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I want to be able to include some of direct audio from Acid Hawks. I've been wanting to get more into that where we uh, say, like, the first time we mention your band, find, like, a reasonable spot to, like, splice in these tracks. Yeah. And, uh, if you could just like maybe send me like do you things want like, that, a, like just some audio files? like if you could yeah like email like literally whatever like you would prefer to have like you know played out yeah and um stuff like that and even some grim stuff like really whatever good night moon stuff when we dude, talk about I that have like, all of it literally yeah. send it dude like that's like when when i was doing the um an episode with with um with the band and everything like you know Oh no no no! I was doing an episode with um with an old drummer from my old band. This is home, and just bringing in all that shit, and it was just so nostalgic and everything. Like, even though like you can't really find those records like that anymore. Damn, I wish we would have brought I mean? that, dude, because that would be fun to talk about. Like those sessions and shit of all that old stuff. Oh, I know. Like where you like can play it. Yeah, and then like, talk about it. Yeah. Well. I mean, we can bring up some Acid Hawk shit. If well, anything. dude, Acid Hawk obviously is really fresh because well, I've engineered and mixed and mastered all the Acid Hawk stuff. We, so well, good. I mean, yeah. it says, what would you prefer if we were even just able to do one really quick? Like, what would you... If, I have songs on my phone right now. Like, I, I could give you a file right now. Of, uh, like, airdrop something? Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, like, would you want to hear it right now? We can play it out through these speakers, and then I will integrate the real direct audio on top like, over it. I would, yeah, delete where it was like that, and it'd be the direct audio, and then it's. So, I do you want me to give you a song that we haven't even released yet that we're gonna release? I mean, hell yeah, dude. Yeah. And we'll just do like a little verse chorus thing of it. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Well, or whatever the whole song. I don't care. Yeah. Do you want to wave, or it's whatever? What are you using? Like you, I give you a, better. I'll give you a good. wave. So, so this is, yeah. Hello, I see you dressing black and yellow. I see you dancing with that fellow. I hear you listening in the middle. Let go, maybe a little too early. I really left it quite a hurry. I can't remember it's so blurry. Yeah. 
this is really cool because it actually reminds me of like that that death from above feel yeah and that it actually still like the real drums thing is like everything yeah because all those fills and everything that'd be like so fucking hard to like sit there and program that out and i would never because i obviously i play it like i would like to me uh, that sounds like torture like having to program drums oh uh, yeah you know, like definitely I, not the same and i get it some people do it and are really good at it and it's amazing but for me, I'm like, I would just, I'm just gonna go in there and play it, like get it I, I done in a it. fraction of the time too. All of that is played, everything. There's a synth thing in there that is a, a, a arpeggiated, like thing yeah, yeah, that's yeah. in there just to add top, like some top end. But the bass is bass run through an orange, ooh, the the eighty two hundred through an eight ten, nice, uh, and it also split out to uh, a rocker verb guitar amp and then also another pv uh like little 110 what amp. So, so that's like, how you kind of got that guitar so tonality. like so live we do like he has a sp uh, splitter scott plays um a splitter that way he can turn off every amp like well not turn off but like it's cut signal from yeah like with literally so, a foot switch yeah so he can so everything's split three ways so he can actually turn off each amp and so we'll he'll kill for certain parts, it'll just yeah. be bass or whatever, and then he'll bring back in the guitars. I've never heard of that. The guitars, which is just the guitar amps that we're just right. running through, you know, to give us that that, that top end stuff. That's insane, dude. I, yeah, I'm 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 impressed because it, it did sound like guitar work and stuff like that. And even though I knew beforehand that it was just a two man group type yeah. thing, that it's just like and like what else was i like the the vocal mix too of it like it reminds me of like the way that we we are used to hearing that stuff like i nowadays it seems like my, i have to like engineer vocals like so on top and like yeah, yeah, yeah. but like there's like that it's like i prefer that listening that, experience <clears throat> because it, it's like it really blends into the sonics that is of it all i i prefer that method of mixing vocals i like when the vocals feel like they're in the song and yes. not on the song that's what when i was listening to the four year strong track i was like how did I, like my ear got so readjusted over time to the point where i'm used to hearing like them super saturated and like that's a radio thing that's what's yeah, happened lately like you know what i mean the past couple of years like people want especially if you're going to get like a tv sync or something hmm. they want that vocal on top because yeah. they want the vocal to be a main thing but that's for like commercial stuff when I'm listening to like music, I like the vocal to be in there because it makes you it makes you lean into the music. Yes. Down. Like, what is he saying? Like, or what are they, turn it up like, a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, turn it up. Like, what, are, what are you saying? Like, and that I like that. Like, I like being able to be like, I listen to music. Like, if you listen to that Ellis Dunes record I was telling you about, the yeah. vocals are pretty quiet. They're they're and that's you have fine. to like you can't understand what he's saying. And like that was the days of like having the liner notes and being able to read the lyrics and stuff. You'd be like. Oh, that's what he's saying. Yeah. I like that. Me too. And having that loud vocal to me makes you kind of go put your head like back and go away so from music true. to where you're like, yeah. I like I like I want people to lean in and go, what is happening? A little bit. It's that like, replay yeah. value. And so I go for that. Like purposefully I go for that. And that's not necessarily what everybody wants, but that's what I like. And because it's my band, I can do whatever the fuck I want. Hell yeah, so, like, dude. And that's kind of like where we're 
our the direction of acid hawk is going right now is this kind of stuff right here and like, i was i was still able to latch on to the lyrical subject matter yeah. and it was like relevant like to where yeah. it's like talking about this relationship and then yeah, like, like seeing, a girl, seeing a girl that you like used to be with like out now, now with and another, like, like oh now you're doing oh now you're doing cool shit and like uh, dude, that, dude uh, that was a shower song for me like i came up <clears throat> i came up with that like in the shower that like hello i see you dressed in black and yellow i see you dancing with the fellow I hear you're listening to metal. Like oh, it's like, yeah. I, you're like, oh shit! I remember when we were together, you weren't like this, and like now I see you at my shows and you're out here dancing. Like maybe we, you want to try this again? Yo. I know it'd be, it'd be fucking crazy. Like, <laughs> and it's like that, some, yeah, because you kind of like put, you kind of like juxtapose yourself into your listener to an yeah. extent, who might be out there could very well be out there with the same exact shit happening, yeah. and then it gives them an excuse to like reconnect with that like it's very relatable it's very like uh like i I remember being younger and like having like relationships with people and being out and being like when you see someone out that you've dated before and being like like oh you're either suck now (laughs) or you got way better you know like it's it's like like, you got better like and i thought maybe i was cooler but maybe i'm not and like maybe you're cool now and like should we do this again it's the kind of thing (laughs) <laughs> but which is funny because it's kind of different from all of our other songs but all of our songs kind of have this like um like push forward mentality of like perseverance and and getting up off the ground and like doing what you want to do and like uh one of the other songs that we're gonna put out called the trip is actually kind of about like having to be on medication and like yeah you know like how you how you feel better and it's crazy how you feel better with chemicals and shit like that and yeah. like you know like we're, we're kind of getting to this point where we're like i want to get off the like uh i want to get to the point where people want to like dance to our shit you know yeah kinda like thing. that bridge and everything yeah like, that polyrhythmic like doom, 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 oh doom, yeah doom, that really doom, stirs doom, up doom, the soul doom, 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 doom. i love that part that's really fun to play and it's really hard to play live because when that comes around i got click in my ears because i sing and play the drums. Fuck. And play to a click and tracks. What? Okay, yeah. like you are like some reincarnate Aaron Yeah, I am. I'm, dude, I'm doing it. Like, and I, and I do it when it comes to that polyrhythmic thing. I have to be like, mm. but that click's going, it's going, that's just like, yeah. And I have to like catch it. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck! Yeah. Alligator, alligator, exactly, watermelon. <laughs> it's 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 fun though. Geographical, geographical. Every time it comes across, I'm like, here we go. We're going right into it. Yeah, and then like also the way that it it sounds girthy. Like that's something like for that for like two pieces. It's it really did it it hit the spot for me with like the bass yeah like that was very modern yeah and then it had like some retro sensibility to it at the same time yeah so that was different and that's cool man like yeah i think that's gonna be our that's our next song that we're releasing i think that's called hello that's the direction i think acid hawk is kind of going i want to we're gonna do some more of that shit i dig it i do dig it well, damn, dude. I think we got in a really fucking good podcast. It's like dude. damn near two hours and ba- I don't even... Chop this shit down, man. Make it, no, make no, it no, whatever. No, 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 don't, no, no. Don't, listen, don't listen to a two-hour podcast. Oh, I do. Really? <laughs> oh, hell yeah. I'll listen to the everything, man. Like, the, Don't get me wrong. I, um, I started this podcast literally like April of this year. And when my um 
wrapped up, came back from Spotify and everything, it said that, to my surprise, it said that my podcast, I created 88, like, I'm in the 88th percentile of, like, the amount of content that was created for other people in the music category. Yeah. I'm like, how did I make more than 88% of the other people? And I started, like, a fraction yeah. through the year and everything. And Are you putting these on Apple Podcasts? So I'm on I'm up upload through anchor.fm yeah. and then that only goes to anchor.fm and Spotify okay. unfortunately unfortunately what, because is, I'm what, on like the Spotify, How do you not how does what is it like It's just like the free version right now just do You have does, to pay to upload to Apple Podcasts? I either that which I haven't like completely looked into yet because I'm just such a Spotify head um to the fact to the point where it's like it's probably an upgrade thing that i just should just go ahead and yeah. do because believe me i have apple music as well um yeah and i'm not racist towards any streaming platforms it's just what means. i use i use the apple podcast app because i don't have spotify and i do apple music so yeah no i get it i get it I, believe me that's like that's like a 2023 thing how much, right how much is it do you know do you know if it's, if it's an upgrade it's it should be an upgrade i honestly haven't looked into it from the anchor.fm side of it just because i've just been like this is like one flow of numerous flows that i have like yeah like if podcasting was like my main 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 thing yeah like listen like i don't I, know i've never like uploaded a podcast yeah I have no idea and so there's just like different one like just just like you would upload to like just like you would have like your certain distribution website that you use like oh like i'm into cd baby or, or like distro kid or, or distro kid yeah which i'm into um mm -hmm. you know it's it it's That's like that yeah it's good i like distro kid a whole lot actually and um it it's it's one of those things that come the new year i'm gonna be like doubling down on all that stuff and um because i i've realized more and more like a lot of people seriously like with like just having an iphone like apple music is what makes sense it's like yeah yeah i don't everybody uses spotify i've just never gotten it out of spite like, <laughs> I, just kinda hate I was the spotify. same i was the like, same it because i make music for a living and, and like but i get Spotify. obviously i put my music on spotify and shit like obviously people use spotify um but for me i'm like i just can't i was like i just can't do spotify dude at this point i'm like so far in it yeah like I'm, I'm i'm such into the apple music i've never had spotify i've only ever had apple music i'm like yeah. i would never switch it like point. if nobody's uploading to apple then what 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 are they doing anyway but i do like the apple podcast app yeah um, and i have that believe me i do i do and i i fucks with their algorithms but yeah basically i think that this is like the proper preempt that i needed to get dude i was just looking up the anchor thing I, I think you just have to get your apple id yeah. And then you have to go to the Apple podcast and submit your RSS feed. That's right. The whole RSS Anchor. thing. It might not even cost you anything. You might just have to do the channel. Yeah. You might just have to make it happen. Uh, see, I, there's I, a whole like thing right here. If you just type in anchor.fm Apple podcast, this is what came up. Submitting your podcast to Apple Podcasts for distribution. Oh, well, fuck. Yeah, that, yeah because then you I'm might not, just be missing a whole channel you might already get with Anchor. And I, this is like the, like I said, the right excuse to just go ahead and hop into that because 
I've just, I've just been so like consumed into other flows where it's just like, uh, like Spotify is good enough for now. Like now that I'm trying to like half-ass anything necessarily, but yeah, I, 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 mean, totally. I need to do that because I'm realistically missing out on like a whole entire demographic, like listening yeah. demographic because, and, and I feel like music podcasts are, I don't feel like there's quite as many of them that are worth a shit, honestly, as opposed to anything else that's out there. Music podcasts are kind of hard to come around that are good. Like, anything worth a shit you know and i listen to more other podcasts than i do music podcasts right, believe a, it or not right um for no particular reason other than just like that's just what i've been like i'm in the current flow of but yeah like this this one this whole pursuit of sound is is supposed to be just that for people that are like kind of in like kind of been where we've been and like right. where they're focused on the insights behind what it means to like come up from the ground up right you know organically and I, th I feel like everybody that i know has like super valuable insights along along that like we are we are very organic kind of types of people and especially like for charleston where things don't come as easily i think necessarily as it would in like a bigger population city where right. you have like more shit at your fingertips like no, like the studios are fewer and far between, but for a good reason, because, you know, you have to be like at a certain echelon of your work to really be there, solidify that spot, hold down y'all's rent, hold down y'all's sound, hold down like the fucking fort in all those regards. I respect on a whole nother level studios of your yeah. caliber, 100 watt studios, true phonic studios. Like there's a few others, but you know i i really look at y'all in that regard yeah right there at that tier where it's just well you know my, my goal is to be one of the better studios in charleston my goal is to be a place where people recognize like if you want to put out good work you come to 100 watt and i do think trufonic the space coast those are the places that people go to right now to get shit done and i think they're really good places and ideally it would be a place where if all these studios that are in Charleston could start putting their, put Charleston's name on the map. Yeah. And all of a sudden Charleston becomes a place where people want to come and make music. Yeah. One, we have the literal environment for people to want to visit. Yep. Yeah. But two, if we had the music capability to where Nashville and Charleston are kind of sisterly cities in like their food industry and things like that, like restaurants and stuff and people from Nashville, like Charleston, I've worked with a bunch of people from Nashville that I've worked, I've worked with here and they like coming here and visiting. It's like, if, if we could get a point to where people are like, you know what, we don't need to be in Nashville. Like we, we can be in another place and, and do our thing. And that would be ideal. If like the studios that are here and I'm all about like supporting people who are doing music there, that's a thing. I think it's less in Nashville for sure. Cause there's so many people, but in Charleston, I still feel like there's a little bit of like, uh, people hold their cards, close cards close to their chest where like, they don't want to bump elbows with other people. And I'm like, I get that. But from a, from a, an actual music industry point, it's like, we, everyone should be in the same boat. Like we should yeah. be helping each other. And if somebody wants to go work with them, then that's fine. If they want to work with us, that's fine. You got to be able to work with different people. I've never been one to be like, you can work with me and only me. Like you, I got to be your dude. It's like, no, you got to, I'm not going to play one guitar or one drum set for the rest of my life. I don't expect anyone to use one studio for the rest of your life. You know, like you got to be able to diversify. And if, the, if we can all start doing good work 
and being together and getting each other back. And I need to meet with those guys. I need to meet up with like Wolfgang and, and Matt Zutel and yeah, um, and and like have a good meeting with them because like we kind of know each other. I'm you know you know like I know who they are. I've met I've talked to Matt a few times, but I think at the end of the day, like if we sat down and had like a conversation and went out one night and like just talked about the music. I think it would be good for Charleston's music community. To have a bunch of studios that are kind of on the same page of let's fucking turn Charleston into a place where people want to come record. Seriously, you know? because with schedules and everything, it's not every single time somebody goes to hit you up, you're technically available and totally, and you know, yeah, you just things. alley you to the there's homie and honestly, and dude, right back at you. There's been a couple things that I think we've done that we might have steered people your way mm -hmm. for some for some shit. Like, no, you have, and that's been uh, that's been like a huge just just got to give the homie daps moment. You know what I mean? And likewise, where it's like, dude, you need to go work with 100 watts like yeah. in this regard. And I just want to see the homies thrive, dude. I mean, that's that's the that's the goal, man. If you can if you can rise to the top and everybody else can come up there with you and, and, and get a piece of that, you know, theoretical pie, then that's what you want. I mean, fuck, dude, like. We, I, I wish all my friends it's why I'll never be a billionaire because if I got a billion dollars I would just give it to all my friends and family who needed money and then I wouldn't be a billionaire anymore I know it's like, me too dude you know like you... billionaires become billionaires because they're hoard their shit yeah <laughs> it's like I, that'll probably never happen to me because I would just give my shit to if I had a billion dollars dude I'd be like pay off all your shit we're getting you a new fucking house and you're getting new speakers and a car and we're going on vacation we're going to croatia it's like <laughs> i would just, you know i would just rather do shit with people than going to everything croatia <laughs> <laughs> no I, i'm like the same way dude Man, yeah the more that you pay it forward the more that it like that's karma that's some that's why karma not? like just why not for real like yeah regardless dude like you kind of gotta Again, invest it just, just having fun, man. Like, just it's having fun. It's having a good time. And if everybody can pay their bills, then then great. Like, because you got to pay your bills. But if we can all have a good time while we're doing it, then that's all we need. Exactly, need dude. I don't need I don't need really anything outside of where I'm at, and and anything that is be above that is just nice. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it's just that much more incentive and um, gratification, and so. I think it's like a good note to leave it on, dude. Support your oh, scene. Yeah. Support your fellow peeps in general. Like music is such a, a collaborative experience. And that's one of the things I think is just super important to the scene is just having a lot of camaraderie with your fellow music homies. And, you know, you, you can't these days just be, you know, being like a complete and utter, like 100% introvert won't necessarily get you far. You kind of have to be the best of both worlds, like to a certain you have extent. To you have to, you have to be able to take the risk and, and do it. And that, like, like I said, with the, the Clemson thing, I told those people, you have to go, I'm going to, I'm going to ask, I'm going to talk to that person. I'm going to, I'm going to take that gig. I'm going to go do that thing. You have to be able to go. I'm going to go do it. It might be very nerve wracking and it might be kind of scary to do it, but everybody has been in that same boat. Right. From freaking Dave Grohl down to me. It's the, somebody has been, I just need to go on stage and do that. I need to go to this rehearsal. I need to go to this audition. Just take that step and you will surprise yourself at what door that might open up for you, but you have to do it. Exactly. Yeah. It starts with you. So got the homie just like close yourself out for us 
just one more time plug everything you want to plug in obviously so, it's Devin Vaughn but so Devin Vaughn I'm the head engineer at 100 Watt Studios in Charleston South Carolina we make records we have a good time I'm in a band called Acid Hawk bass and drums we have music on Apple Music Spotify all the places we got music video on YouTube we'll be playing a show with Gods in February February 4th at Lo-Fi and Brewery Versus Angels yes with Versus Angels yeah hit me up 100wattstudios.com or crashbangnoises.com. You'll be able to find me. That's it. And 100 Watts also has an Instagram, of Instagram, 100 Watts Studios or Crash Bang Noises Instagram. Yep, Crash Bang Noises, C-R-A-S-H-B-A-N-G-N-O-I-S-E-S. Yeah. It's Devin's personal Instagram. That's my Instagram. And, you know, they're super friendly and very personable and professional and know what they're doing. And I've been i've had the pleasure of like going in there and being a part of that experience and i look forward to that again actually we will be needing to record drums at an exterior place like we want to do some stuff in the box for this next record but drums yeah but like certain things like i know that we'll need to go and track drums and we will be going to y'all yeah and who knows let's do it talk to me let's go let's make it i would fucking just love for you guys to be able to I don't know what you guys, what your music is going to look like, but to get you guys to play together in a room would be awesome. Seriously, man. The more that, like, I would step in there, the more I'd realize that, dude, because that's what I'm used to. Like, band, the band going into the studio and actually handling that shit in there and it not being, like, the way things have kind of morphed to where it is these days and, like, all that stuff. So... Please, by all means, y'all go check it out. 100 Watt Studios, located in Charleston, South Carolina, right by the beach. Boy! Right by the beach! <laughs> all right, man. Well, thank you so fucking much, dude. And I'm I'm really looking forward to releasing this and doing work with y'all yeah, ASAP. Man. Dude, Seriously. thanks for having me. Anytime, this fun, dude. dude. This is like one of the better podcasts, yeah. after all. Like, man, having like an engineer and a musician... <laughs> Like in the studio, that's where it's that's where it's fucking. Well, dude, at. I had a blast, man. This is fun. Yo, thank you. All right, y'all. Yeah, shout out to Coors Light. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sponsor us, please. <laughs>